I'm just gonna fucking pick up the mic. Who cares? Okay. Yeah, why not? Coming home from my job and I'm stressed as all fuck. Gotta, gotta get home to watch TV. It started out as a joke. How did it end up like this? It was only a joke about the funny baby. Now I'm falling asleep and she's making dinner and she wakes me up, but I pretend I'm asleep. Now she's going to bed and I'm pumped as all hell to watch the funny fat man and his horny neighbor. That rascal quagmire, here we go. It seems today that all you see is violence in movies and sex on TV. But where are those good old fashioned values? of which we used to rely. Lucky he's a family guy. Lucky there's a man who positively can do all the things that make us laugh and cry. I love family guy. I'm speechless. Um, congratulations. Congratulations on um, finally elevating the song parody to the level of art. You did it. Finally including the Family Guy theme song in the song parody. Double song parody. Yeah. I, um, it's, 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 now I know what it must have been like to uh see uh mozart conduct one of his compositions uh or to uh be on set and be like a key grip on vertigo or something yeah yeah you know uh just the, the guy that set up the big green light behind uh kim novak and vertigo uh, that's kind of like what this was it was kind of like me being like you know what yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do the best song parody of all time today. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And you know what? You couldn't have picked a better time to do it because you know what? Today oh. is this day that the show is dropping. What is today that the show is dropping? Folks, we have adjusted the the the, the delivery schedule of this podcast a lot this year. Uh, because my work schedule and life generally changed to facilitate kind of an in ease of me just editing the show and getting right. it out. And this week we made a very special exception for um, our usual Tuesday show. We are putting the show out on Wednesday, October 7th, because on once on Monday, October 7th, 2019 was the day that we premiered. It's on the list on sound. And so today folks, clap, 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 clap in the clap, chat clap. for it's on the list. The one year anniversary. We made it. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Mason. <laughs> Happy anniversary. I got Nelly. you a song this is a first... <laughs> for anniversary. You <laughs> and I got you, and I got you, and I got you Bob Guts. Uh, that's not true. I got also got you a song parody at the end of the show. A little, little tease that up for the audience so they don't automatically tune everything out when we start doing the <laughs> <laughs> at the end. Like, I'm sure they usually Yeah, very do. fair, very fair. Well, thank you for thinking of getting me something on our 
blessed anniversary. Uh, like Mason said, this is the one-year anniversary of It's on the List being a real show that people can really listen to with their ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, in honor mm-hmm. of that, Mason and I put our heads together. We said, well, what can we do? What could we do for the one-year anniversary that is a little bit different? And I think we came up with something. I think we came up with something that you guys yeah. are going to like. Yeah, it was something that, uh, you know, when this deadline was approaching, uh, Noe and I were like, we got to do something for the one year. We got to celebrate yep. it. It's been a lot of fun. And it's it would be nice to put a little bow on just, just the fact that we've made it That this we did far. something for honestly, a year. Like, I mean... We did something for a year, and you know, there have been interruptions, there's been weeks where we didn't have shows because of current events, or because I was right. moving, and had to kind of get settled, so it's not, you know, this isn't episode 52, you know, we're, all intents and purposes, seven weeks kind of behind a regular, just weekly show, but who gives yes. a shit? We're here, we fucking made it, baby, and honestly, like, here's what I, here's, here's what I think, is now the time... We discussed this a little bit off mic last week, but it's now the time where we kind of get into the it's on the list origin. I think I think now is where we break that down. I think that I think it's better to do it now as opposed to at the end. I think it's important people know how did this show get on the air in the first place? Because I feel yeah. Because if you listen to like the early episodes, like the the Mason sweaty apartments with cousin Luke episodes, you kind of get the a little bit in there sprinkled in like Parmesan cheese on top of your pasta dish, basically. Um, but I don't think we got to, you know, eagle-eared listeners will know, can kind of maybe intuit some of the, uh, some of the backstory, I guess, from, like, previous episodes. We haven't really gone in on, I guess, like, either our experience, uh, of our kind of, like, lives before, uh, we met, we, <laughs> we, we met, met that like uh, a freight day. train meeting. <laughs> yeah. Like we met that faithful day, like a, a freight train meeting a fucking, uh, boulder on like the, the Joker meeting the Batman in Gotham, <laughs> the, like the Joker meeting Robert, like Robert De Niro meeting the Joker, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like Murray meeting <laughs> Arthur Fleck, AKA the funniest Joker that we have, but you're right. We've never fully gone into How did this show come to be? We've mentioned it before on the show. So I will give you a head and give you my my side of everything first because that is, for lack of a better term, how it got its genesis in the first place. So uh, what happened was is in July of 2019, I moved from Orange County, California to Los Angeles, California. And I was tweeting, you know, because that's what you do when you have a lot of time in your hands. You're like, what am I going to tweet today? (laughs) You know, what funny thing am I going to put out on Twitter.com and then delete at the end of the year because tweets are ephemeral and shouldn't be out there for that long. So so I I tweeted something to the effect of, uh, here's an idea for a podcast for you, you know, colon, here's a free one. You tell me everything you've ever seen and I'll tell you it's on my list. You know, as a haha, I'll never get around to watching that. Well, One eagle-eyed follower (laughs) at the time named Carter Moon DM'd me when he saw that tweet. And he said, do you know this, Mason? Do you actually know this part of the story? Remind me. Remind me for the film. No, I was just curious if you actually yourself even knew this. Because you gave me a face like, oh, is that really how that happened? (laughs) Like, you were, like, shocked as though it was that, like, casual and that, like, (laughs) nothing, you know? But... I knew that he reached out to you, but I was not sure if it was a Twitter DM or if it was something Yeah, else. so he DM'd me on Twitter, and at the time, 
Carter was either, I don't know what it's called, what it was called at the time or how it's changed, but he was the podcast editor at Merry-Go-Round Magazine. And he was like, hey, you know, that's actually not a bad idea for a show. You know, we kind of talked about how it actually might work as a show as opposed to just some bullshit tweet idea. And we sort of figured out, okay, we have the show format, you know, blah, blah, blah. Carter and I put our heads together, figured it out. And he was like, well, who do you want to host the show with? And I was like, damn, I really don't know. Like, I actually did not know who I could host a show with. I didn't really know anyone who was interested in podcasting to a serious degree where they literally would be like, I will do a weekly show with you. Like, I just didn't know who was really up Mm -hmm. for that. So I asked him, I'm like, do you know anybody who might be interested in that? And he said, well... I do know one man who might be interested in that. His name is Mason McGuire. He didn't go to Chapman University like Carter and I did, but I met him in L.A. I said, perfect. Great. I would love to meet Mason. I'm very down to do that. Uh, Mason, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe then what happened was is that we got a group text together, and then from that group text, we decided on a time to do a group call. We did a group call. You were on the road to New Orleans with your friend Wes at the time, if I am correct in saying that. Uh, my memory of it is, of this timeline is we had that first call when I was still in Chicago on vacation, okay. about to fly back to L.A. for 18 hours to then get in the car with Wes for, gotcha. for uh, that gotcha. road trip. Okay, mm-hmm. so... That's what happened instead. But either way, he was going to be on the road, (laughs) going to New Orleans. And so we had a chance to actually talk on the phone. We kind of talked about our favorite movies. Mason and I had never met each other in real life. We had never uh -uh. seen each other. I didn't know you existed. Literally same. Like, it was one of those things. And so uh, we get together on the phone. We talk. We set a date to do our first record. Carter was the one who suggested we talk about Stalker. And it was really good timing because I had just seen that. I had just moved to L.A. I had just gone with – I can't believe I didn't say his name on the pod at the time when he was our guest because I saw it with the first guest we ever had on the show, Dustin Titcomb. That yeah, is what with, I saw. With, with serial emailer and, <laughs> with and, and show – Menace to and the show. Gmail. Yeah, with Menace to the Gmail. <laughs> so uh, I saw it with him at the Egyptian. Great experience. So I had seen it already, and I was like, great. Don't have to watch it again for the podcast because it's like a basically a three-hour movie. Uh, and then the day we recorded that episode, I met Mason in his apartment yeah. in basically yeah. K-Town right off Crenshaw and Wilshire. And uh, mm-hmm. we recorded the first 15 minutes. Mason said, okay, I'm going to watch the movie now. And I was like, what the fuck? You didn't watch the movie? And he's like, not yet. I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay. So I hung out in and around LA, you know, in and around that area for about three hours. He texted me, okay, come back. Then Carter and I came back to his place. We talked about it. And that was it. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to do this again (laughs) for the next 46, 45 weeks. So we did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh, I... that yeah that's um How i do great i that those are certainly the, the that is the events i think that that's pretty laid out and you can listen to that first episode of um you can listen to that first episode uh anywhere you can find that show basically to listen to just how here's another thing that's very important about that first episode the reason why i didn't watch the movie is because we recorded that episode the day that i landed back in la from that new orleans Damn. trip 
And I was so fucking tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we watched Stalker, which is a very meditative movie. so. And it's a riveting movie. I still would recommend it. I still think that it's worth putting on your list or actually watching it, basically. But I was watching it, and I'm like... I slept poorly the night before because Wes and I hit the town the night before. We got up kind of early, got, had an early flight back to L.A. Uh, I was uh, awfully hungover. I had gotten no sleep, gotten no rest. I got back to L.A. and I was just like fiending for um, uh, uh, just, 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 I was really, at that point, I think just really fiending for something besides, like for some fucking weed or something because I hadn't <laughs> smoked sure. any of the, the tea the thc for almost three weeks and i'm like i'm so fucking just out of my head right now so i did that noah comes over we meet we record the kind of like prelude the first 15 ish minutes of that show and then you go on your merry little way and i stick around and i'm watching stalker and i am so fucking tired that I'm watching this movie on my laptop. The ideal way to watch Tarkovsky. I was just about to say, which is, you I think watched of, it on your laptop too, which is a crazy part of that story. Yeah, and I feel like, I'm glad that I did, because if I just put it on my TV or something, I would have fallen asleep, and it would have been a different podcast episode. But I watched that movie, and I'm laying in my bed, and I'm like picking up my laptop and moving around my fucking <laughs> room just to get the blood pumping. And then we record the rest of that episode, you go back on your merry way to the valley. Carter goes on his merry way, and I'm like, maybe I should rest now, or maybe what I should do is go hang out with Sonny Dion Jr. <laughs> again and his family in their backyard, basically, and just say hi. And I did that, and instead of leaving after I said my hello, I brought some voodoo chips, some voodoo zaps from oh, New Orleans yeah. to, yeah, good snack, great snack. Uh, I was like, this is going to be my housewarming welcome back present. Not housewarming. It was like my welcome back sort of present for for this thing here. And uh, I was like, great, just going to show up. And then I get roped into going to Highland Park to see John Hawks. John Hawks, the actor, playing like his jazz band or something. And I'm there and I'm drinking water. And I swear to God, it's like probably 9, 30, 10. Not even like terribly late. I'm just like, I got to go to bed. (laughs) Dude, that is literally like an eyes wide shut night. Like you're just bouncing around from yeah. place to place, barely conscious. Things aren't making sense. You don't know how you ended up. You know, you're literally, you literally, I don't know where Sonny's, you know, play. Was it in downtown where he was living or was this a different spot? Uh, no. So we were at his parents' place, which was in Hollywood. Okay. Um, so you literally were all over the map then, dude. Like you literally, like LA's huge. If you're listening to this and you don't live in LA, like the actual city of Los yeah. Angeles fucking gigantic so you literally were like you didn't go over to the west side at all but like you pretty much covered everywhere from where you lived which is like dead center of the map of la east all the way yeah. to island park mm-hmm. so big yeah. day for you yeah huge day for me i can't remember what i did the next day probably just slept and i feel like i worked um i feel like i was about to um because here's the other thing that was big in my um like uh, my, my big PA year, my last big year sure. in LA. As we know, I moved back to Chicago after, uh, tw- after the day after my birthday in 2019. And um, I had like just booked a couple days on a short film. That month of August was really tough for you, boy. I gotta sure. say that your boy went through some fucking trials. I'll also say like out of the first year, you know, we, we recorded in middle of August, maybe two or three episodes, four or five 
at the time, Carter was the podcast editor for Merry-Go-Round magazine, and we were considering being a Merry-Go-Round show. Sure, that's a good, that's a yeah, really good point. We, yeah, it was a, kind of the thing where it's like, but basically, you know, we were going to record a couple episodes of this, kind of get a little pilot bundle together to see if it was a thing that the merry-go-round folks could just put up and sort of foot the bill for. Um, well, you know, I don't know what I don't know what you were told, but I literally was told we just can't afford it right now. Like we are. That's where, yeah. that's what was. Yeah, that's what we were told. Yeah, we were told that they couldn't afford it, which is fine. They're an independent like journal, basically. They're an independent thing. Money's tight. It wasn't a um, a a uh, an indication of the quality of the show or us as people. It was just like we'd love to do this. We just don't have the money for you right now. I'm like it's absolutely fine. I have my own DIY podcast, the Bar and a Podcast about the Shield, okay, very cool uh, which I've been doing very for cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. Which I've been doing for roughly a year at that point. So I'm like, you know, I'm familiar enough with just doing a show on a weekly basis that I can slot this into my schedule. Um, and yeah, we, we powered through and, uh, middle of September, I think middle of September, I had gone back home to Chicago to kind of take a break from the city and we put the first show episode out in October, early October. And I feel like it was around that time where I got to the point with my time in LA where I'm like, it's time to bounce. And, you know, uh, Noah was one of the first LA people that I told, uh, my plans to move because it really kind of affected this show. Totally. Um, and at that point, I don't, I feel like we had less than probably 10 shows recorded and put out. Basically, we we're going to do kind of a mad dash towards. Yeah, I think we were the, literally the recorded like three or four episodes in the span of like three weeks. It was pretty crazy. I, I would be I probably more than that. Honestly, I feel like we were really like, uh, one on top of the other. Uh, we had to reschedule the Chef Thomas episode <laughs> because he, he had fun at Gax. That's yeah, he had we'll fun say. at Gax. That's what we'll say. Um, but we got first the first fifteen episodes out, and truthfully, like I had so much fun doing the show, and I'd already been doing my the barn remotely with Connor, so it was kind of a thing where it's like I didn't feel particularly insecure about this show continuing in some capacity sure. once I moved. Um. And all to say, before we kind of get into the meats of the show, I think right now, uh, I'm really, like, I'm really grateful to have the show in my life. Really grateful to have both my po- those podcasts in my life. They've been um, kind of necessary routine. It's been, it's been fun to meet new people, get new media put into, uh, brought into my life. And it's been fun to have people to talk about it with. And, uh, you know, I'm coming up to the end of the barn here. That's like been a two year thing of my life that it was just kind of, you know, I, I knew the commitment of that basically when I started, uh, but this one was sort of like figuring it out as we went along. And I'm, uh, just so I am pleased as punch with how this year has, 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 uh, come out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was one of those things where when you said, you know, I'm going to go back to Chicago, I literally thought to myself, like, damn, like how are we going to continue to do the show? Like, it wasn't a matter of like, will we, you know, keep doing the show? Like, and you were very, yeah, you know, forthright in saying we can still do the show. Like we, this is still very possible. 
to do this. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't really, you know, very quickly, uh, we actually were very much trendsetters in the regard of doing virtual podcasting because yeah. mm-hmm. I think we started mm-hmm. recording in late January, early February of this year virtually to do like our season two or whatever. And then yeah. all of a sudden, everybody else started doing virtual podcasts. Well, I will so, say, there you go. yeah, by necessity, I will say that that was, uh, you know, uh, it was Connor's idea to have me on to be for the barn, and he is sort of set in Philadelphia as far as I, as long as I've known him, he's never lived anywhere besides Philadelphia. So, really, kudos to Connor Crockford on getting the Skype era of podcasting hey, started. shout out to Connor Crockford. A, big, big, big shout, shout out. out to Connor Crockford. His chapbook, Mark the Place, is out on is out where you can buy uh, poetry books. I got it on my shelf. Uh, it's very good. Uh, listen to our podcast. Great guy. Love that guy. Um, but yeah, it is kind of funny that the world kind of formed and validated this podcast and like the kind of weird trajectory my life went on after a certain point uh it's been a it's been a very curious thing it's been a very very curious thing it's just being like oh man like now even blank check (laughs) the podcast is doing zoom recording and then we you know you mason and i you know we, we went through an iteration of different virtual things. You know, I'll keep this part brief because I know nobody gives a fuck about what platform we used to record the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, no one cares too much about, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one cares too much about that. But there was some trial and error to get a uh, sort of uh, video chat uh, service working. Yeah. For the demands of the show and for the demands of my anxiety about the well, show. It was just like Skype was being shitty. Like it was just, I remember when we recorded with Brian Carpus, it was just like, you guys had such a bad delay that I'm like, man, if we have to keep doing the show like this, I just don't think I can do it. Like it was just such a bad delay. And I was just like, this just ruins the rhythm of everything. So I was like, Mason, let's try Discord. I had done an episode of everything now through video call or like voice call on Discord. It had worked a lot better. And so I was like, let's try that. But Discord doesn't have a way for you to back anything up as far as we could knew, you know. And yeah. so Mason wasn't mm-hmm. into that. And I respected that. I was like, you know what? You know, I, now I edit my own podcast, my favorite podcast, which you can listen to on all the, you know, podcast platforms. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and I edit my own now as well. And so I know how important it is to have backups because technology is really finicky and it is great when it works, but a lot of the time it just doesn't. And so it's always important to have backups. So then eventually I was like, you know what? I actually asked, believe it or not, you know who I asked what we should do? Who? I asked Chef Aya what we should do. Chef Aya from (laughs) episode 44, the most previous episode of this podcast, the hot rod, the hot rod episode. You asked her. I DM'd her and I said, Chef Aya, because they were starting up uh, Aya versus the big boys. And I was like, Aya, what the fuck do we do? And she was just like, oh, just use Zoom. It's way better. And I was like, oh, okay. But the shitty thing is that Zoom, you know, if you use the free version, it only allows you to do 40 minutes. And I was thinking about it, and I was, gen- you know, gestating on do I do a second podcast right now, blah, blah, blah. And I ultimately decided I was going to, and I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to be using this thing at minimum twice a week, it's going to pay for itself. You know, like I will, I will yeah, go yeah. in on getting Zoom. 
Yeah, thanks to all our $1 a month patrons <laughs> for putting the bill for yeah, this. Yeah, thanks, guys. You, It is really <laughs> as viewers like you. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it. I'll do Zoom. Let's do it. I'll get the, you know, the, the cheapest paid version, which I think is called Zoom Pro. And we've been using it pretty much ever since, like, I don't know, May, you know, maybe late April, May. And it's been working great. It's been working great. No issues. Um, it came in, uh, it really came in handy. I haven't had to use, I don't think, a um, Zoom audio uh, for anybody with one exception, which was Rocky in the kids show episode. Um, that was the only time, just to put Rocky, gotcha, yeah, Rock. just to put Rocky on blast right now. Uh, that was the only time where, um, it didn't, he, there was some issue with the audio on their side and, uh, just, you know, had the zoom call back up and it was like, no big deal rock. We got everything backed up. We can put the show out and, uh, you can listen to that two hours and 12 minutes of me. <laughs> <laughs> Great episode. <laughs> really, episode. really fucking fun episode to record it. A fun episode, a fun episode. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. A fun episode, but, but, but mayhem nonetheless. Either way uh, though, you know. We've been talking for 25 minutes. You heard the greatest song parody. We haven't talked about that. <laughs> You've heard the greatest song parody of all time. Mason will give you the second greatest song yeah, parody of all time at yeah. the end of the show. Surprise me with his big triumphant comeback potentially to the bit. But, Mason, I think we should fucking die. I'm ready to go, think? man. So, uh, we had kind of gone back and forth on what we wanted to do for this episode. Uh, a clip show was thrown around, uh, and I was like, that sounds like a lot of work on my side. No, thank you. <laughs> Uh, not opposed to that idea sometime in the future. I just don't have the time for sure. it now. Um, we Noah had the idea to just, uh, or we came up with the idea to have like a kind of Zoom call of some of our past favorite guests, which you will be hearing, which is not the thing that's not happening. But we, at, at one point, um, a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you guys remember uh, from the Sunny Dion Jr. episode that I had uh, uh, gone on a very nice date. That girl ended up, uh, and I not, uh, really seeing each other after a little bit. And uh, when uh, that sort of um, uh, period ended, I went on a very long walk. It was the middle of August, and I ended up on uh, the the uh, the Montrose Beach in Chicago. Now, we're, from where I live, that's like a good three-mile, uh, four-mile walk. Needed that Big. time. And I got to that point in the beach, and I was sitting down, and I think I had texted picture uh, Noah a picture of uh, something on my phone lock screen. And on my phone lock screen, currently, still, uh, have not changed it, is... Um, Orson Welles as John Falstaff from Chimes at Midnight. And he called it an evil, he said something about that being an evil movie. And I said, ha, 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 ha. And I'm sitting in the grass at the Montrose Beach. It's a beautiful day, clear blue skies, the water's crashing. And I'm like, wait a minute. We have had an awful lot of things brought on the show that I've never seen before. I think it would be fun if we did a top 10 list of our favorite things that were brought on this show that neither of us had seen. Yes, before. chef. Absolutely. And so the way that these lists work, and I was like, that is, that's it. Like Mason, when you said that, I was like, that's, that's it. We do that. We bring a couple people on who are able to make it and maybe talk about, you know, their entry or whatever. And so here are the ground rules, I guess, basically it's pretty straightforward. Mason and I both constructed individual top 10 lists uh, of our favorite things that were brought onto this show that we ourselves did not bring and that we hadn't seen or listened to in completion. Those are the ground rules. Yeah. Everything else yeah. is fair game. So for example, yeah. 
Some things that will not be appearing on my list today because of those rules, which it's sad they will not be on the list because I do love all these things, but because of the rules in place, on my, on my list, we will not be talking about Hot Rod. Shout out, Ilya most recent episode from when we're you know yeah. doing this. Mm-hmm. Blue Jay, shout out Kelly Kripe. Tommy Boy, which technically was an Adam Cash pick, even though it was on my list, so shout out Adam Cash. Yeah. And really, really mm. unfortunately, I... 1,000 Gex will not be on my list uh, because I had heard it prior to recording with Thomas because Thomas would not shut the fuck up about it and honestly still hasn't shut the fuck up about it. So those things will not be appearing on my list because of the rules. Yeah, and, you know, not on my list could be is something, for example, like uh, In the Loop. Cool. uh, (laughs) Couldn't bring on In the Loop uh, because that technically was a Chef Carter pick. I had, it was on my list. I had seen it previously. Um, and uh, just, I, I did that because I knew it was going to be Noah's number one. It would kind of be yeah. uh, uncouth to have to have the same number one, totally. honestly. Um, I feel so, <laughs> you're not going to see some of those things. Um, but when I was getting, crafting this list together, it really struck me how much um, new stuff was brought into my life, stuff that I had been meaning to see for a uh, period of time before the show started, stuff I hadn't even heard about, stuff that wasn't anywhere near my, my, my field of reference, anywhere near me, just because of this show. And if getting this list together um, highlighted one thing and made me very grateful for the show, it was just the amount of new stuff that I have in my life that I deeply love um, because it was shown to me either by Chef Noah or one of the many other chefs that have um, graced, graced our kitchen, business. that have used so, our pots and pans. Yeah, so before we get started into the list proper, Noah and I have some honorable mentions here. Uh, Chef, do you want to start with your honorable mentions? I do, yeah. I'll start with mine. I have three honorable mentions. Uh, these would be 13, 12, and 11, respectively. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because I want to make sure we give ample time to the actual selections on our lists, on the list. It's the name of the fucking show. Uh, so coming <laughs> in at number 13 would be why by the band alopecia that was carter's pick mm, from the mm-hmm. <laughs> from the infamous it uh in the loop episode it really doesn't sound yeah. like most other music it's very new uh sounding very refreshing it's like metal and white guy rap <laughs> all kind of wrapped into one yeah uh, so that didn't quite make my list i still recommend it though uh so that would be number 13 Number 12, an honorable mention, would be the Ryan Kenny episode with Passing Strange. Kind of one of those ones that is better for me in recollection and reflection than it was watching it at the time because it was so much to take in. Uh, When you watch it first, Mm -hmm. there's so much going on. There's a lot of layers to the sort of like narrativity that we talked about uh, in that episode. So didn't quite make the list. It's very much worth checking out. It's on YouTube uh, the recording done by Spike Lee. So that would be number 12, Passing Strange from the Ryan Kenny episode. And then just barely missing the list, and he's not going to be happy <laughs> that this barely missed the list, but that is just who he is. Uh, coming in at number 11, barely missing the top 10, is Gal Costa. Gal Costa from the It's mm, On The List Goes mm. to Brazil episode. Once again, completely rattled my cage uh, as far as what it sounded like. Very much a breath of fresh air. The first 10 seconds of that first song are just like, Chris, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. Come on. Why are you bringing this onto the show? And then the rest of the album is just 
beautiful. Like, I don't know if I can use another yeah. word other than that, but not quite my cup of tea. So as much as I was like, wow, yeah. that's really cool. I really am glad I listened to that. It just wasn't my cup of tea enough to make the top 10. But those would be my honorable mentions. Again, we'll be talking about the actual entries on the list more in depth. But Chef Mason, what are your honorable mentions? Yeah, so mine aren't ranked. Um, mine are just sort of like an assemblage of things that I really... Um, basically, once we came up with the conceit of the show, then it was kind of like my kind of whittling down to my 10 was kind of like I wanted to prioritize stuff that I either wouldn't have, wouldn't have come into my um, conscious or field of vision um, and stuff that, like you were saying, rattled your cage and stuff that was, I just was very curious and stuff that gave me a lot to kind of think about and, and, and consider. And there were a lot of stuff that kind of just, just barely missed um, the list for me here, but here's my, here's my honorable mentions Um, in no particular order. uh, Wild tales from the Nina Kramer episode um really again these are all movies and all albums that i would recommend definitely um if not full recommend just stuff that i was like if i'm going to try to showcase what i think highlights the 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 strengths of the show just 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 stuff that uh doesn't quite make it for me wild tales um chimes at midnight brave faces everyone um george washington and this one was on my list, in t- it, this was on my list, and it kind of pained me to kick it off because I do love it so much. Um, so it would be my number 11, maybe tied for number 10, uh, is Birth, the Jonathan Glazer movie. Okay. Um, that just missed my list. Um, just missed Two my Noah list, Two Noah things, as honorable mentions, and you'll see why that's important that I called out that Noah's things yeah, are honorable you, mentions when we yeah. get into the list. But very nice honorable mentions. I think I enjoyed all of those things. I think maybe not one of them that you said. I can't remember all of them, but uh, definitely not Chimes okay, at Midnight. Yeah, that was the one. That evil. <laughs> That's the one that you called yeah, okay. evil. Uh, four out of the five of those. And you really know what? Good. And here's the thing: not to not to uh, Chef Jimmy. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I do apologize, but you would be happy to know that I kicked that movie off my ten to put on something you brought. So that one that was, Noah brought uh, removed. That Noah brought. Yes. yes, that was a Noah. That was a Noah. Uh, I kicked that off to put on something that Noah brought. Uh, I'm very happy with my list now. Just like I said, just kind of missed the cut there. So without further ado, Chef Noah, so, what's your number? 10? With a little more further ado, just real quick because I have some real quick stats actually for the list. Oh, okay. Um, so here okay. are my stats. There's ten items on this list: movies and albums. Of those ten, mm-hmm. six are guest choices. Four are mm-hmm. Mason choices, which is a much higher mm-hmm. percentage than uh, my, the, my choices on Mason's list. But again, we will get to that later. Of the ten, four of the ten are from our LA edition of the show. So oh, you know, okay. less episodes. It was fifteen episodes, but four things from those episodes made the final ten. And then of the ten, six are albums. Four our movies and of the albums of the six albums that made the list four of those albums are mason choices how about this so how about there you this? go okay a little bit a little bit of stats for you here are my stats um eight guest choices <laughs> okay 
Two Noe choices, but you know what? I think you're going to be happy with the placement of some of these choices, Good. bud. I got um, four albums on here, but only three from our L.A. So most of this is Zoom era decision. Most of these are Zoom era choices okay. from me or um, remote, we'll say, era choices from me. Um, but uh, is that a, as much ado as yes. we have to now do? We need to, now we need to dive headfirst, hit our fucking face on the concrete of the bottom of the pool, make every kid get out of the pool, yeah. rush home, to, yeah. you know, rush into their parents' arms and go, please take me home. Please, can we get yeah. McDonald's? And then they say, no, we have food at home. So that is, <laughs> that is where we're at with the show. Coming in at number 10. Get it together, Mason. Uh-huh. Coming in. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm okay, good. good. I'm good, good, man. I got my rubber ducky yeah, over I'm here. Glad I'm good. I got my, arm, my water floaties on. Coming in at number 10, Mason. This is from episode nine of the show. This is from the LA edition, of course. This is 1980s Clues by Robert Palmer. <laughs> big, 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 big. That is it. That is it. I loved, you love to hear it. We'll not be hearing that on my list. Would love to put it on uh, my list. <laughs> yeah, I'd was. love to put stuff I brought on my list too, okay? Yep. Yeah. But that's not how this fucking works. So this comes in at number 10, mostly because I kind of had a pro, I kind of had trouble figuring out what that number 10 thing was going to be. And a lot of these, like a uh-huh. pattern that you'll find with these is that they're things that I come back to. They're things that I find myself listening to on yeah. my own free mm-hmm. time outside of the context mm-hmm. of having to listen to the show. God knows there are things that, like Reputation by Taylor Swift that we listened to last week, I enjoyed listening to that within the context for the show, but I probably won't be returning to Reputation by Taylor Swift personally. Sure. Mm-hmm. But Clues by Robert Palmer, I have found myself thinking about – and I know that there's going to be things on this list that started before that we talked about previous to our Mercedes Valuable Player segment that we've introduced. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I'll be giving de facto Mercedes Valuable Players uh, on mine. I like that. Okay. And so my, my de facto Mercedes Valuable Player for Clues by Robert Palmer is the song Woke Up Laughing, oh. which I think is also your favorite track on the album, right? I mean, I love that album so much, dude. But I think that it that was my... Th- that was the kind of like skeleton key Rosetta Stone, whatever you want to call it, for that album. That was my way in. That was the way that I discovered this. That was the thing. Like I heard that um, in like 2017, I think, and just sitting at my desk. It was one of the f- uh, a, a very just sort of like powerful moment where I just like kind of sat up and I was like, "What is this that I'm hearing?" So I do think that that would probably. It, it's tough honestly i would probably give my mercedes valuable player to the song johnny and mary just because i think that's kind of an impeccable impeachable pop song but i big ups big respect for woke up laughing as your mercedes valuable player for that particular album absolutely i mean I, that's the other thing i was going to say about this is that it's not a very long album no uh, it's nine or ten songs it's very succinct there's only one song on this album that i would skip uh, and I think that you and I both know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's the I Dream of I Dream Wires, of Wires song. Yeah, the Gary Newman cover. Yeah, there's two covers on yeah. it, and the Beatles cover is really good. So much so that you didn't oh. know that it was a Beatles cover. And I didn't. I didn't know it was a Beatles cover at all. And that, at, if upon first listen, had we been doing Mercedes Valuable Players back in the day, that probably would have been my initial yeah. mm-hmm. Mercedes Valuable Player for the album. But like I said, Johnny and Mary, Looking for Clues, Not a Second Time, Woke Up Laughing, just 
every song with the exception of I Dream of Wires is great. Those the one that I mentioned by name specifically are probably my favorite cuts from the album. It's about 30 to 33 minutes long. It's not long. Pop this on. Robert Palmer is just a very underrated musician. Uh, he's just overall, you know, within the context of 80s music, even, you know, I feel like he gets left out of the conversation. He had two real big hits, Addicted to Love uh, and Simply Irresistible, neither of which really sound like anything on this album, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. This is basically Robert Palmer doing Talking Heads almost, I yeah, think, in a it's, certain way. And you know what? Chris France, the drummer for Talking Heads, does um, some work on the first song, Looking for Clues, which is also like... Man, I it's it's like woke up laughing. Johnny and Mary and looking for clues are kind of like the 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 hydra, the trifecta, the, trifecta, the hydra of that album for me. Like my hydra, sort of Mercedes Valuable Player. They're kind of like like triplets. They're all my children, even though I didn't had nothing to do with their creation. But it's just like I love all <laughs> three of those songs so deeply. Uh, and Chris France of the Talking Heads did some. Um, some drumming on that particular album for whatever reason. Like I, I'm with you with Robert Palmer also, and he's also like, and I know we brought this album onto the show and um, he's a musician that I listen to with some frequency, but I go in and out with listening to him and I forgot how much I liked him, but I was doing a little Spotify radioing forget exactly what radio listen I was listening to. And a song of his popped up that I can't remember hearing before called every kind of people. And it was a song that I listened to and I was convinced it was a cover of something else, but I couldn't find it. Um, oh, it's, wow. yeah, it's kind of like a funky sort of R and B sort of thing. Um, he's, uh, it's a song I really like. It's kind of like the first, so I, I jumped the gun on making my October playlist and jump, put that in there. Cause it didn't fit with the vibe of my September playlist. Um, sure. But yeah, an artist that I really like and a musician that I really like and a performer that I really like that I don't think gets a lot of credit or attention. And I'm very happy that he's popping up at the bottom of your list here. Absolutely. And that's really all I had to say about it. I mean, in, in summation, it's a very solid, very tight album. Only one song that I think is really skippable. I think every other song is worth your time. Number 10, Clues by Robert Palmer, 1980 from episode 9 of the show LA edition yeah. chef Mason. What is your number 10? So my number 10. Uh, I also was considering, uh, basically I knew roughly what I wanted to have on my list and just the question of ranking it, except for one, um, was kind of like, where do I really want these things to go? And I, I think I settled into a comfortable sort of ranking of this here. And my number 10 is something that, I don't know if I'm going to return to it, but it's such a interesting curio that I can see myself showing it to other people um, as sort of this like um, uh, this artifact, this almost like forgotten shared artifact. And that, and you might be very. I mad have a feeling this. of. I think I know what it is, but say. My number is. ten is the California Adventure. <laughs> Not what I thought you were going to say, actually, to Video be honest with you. Okay. From the Jack Freiberger episode <laughs> of, uh, uh, from back a couple things ago. I believe that was um, episode 19. He is the only guest to have the distinction of being in the same room as me while Zooming Mason. So there you go. That's true. That's true. Um, this was a thing that this video and this sort of like world of these like sort of Disney parks promotional videos 
a hundred percent not on my radar at all. <laughs> Look for it. Didn't think that these things existed. And um, Noah brought on the show and brought Jack on the show. And Jack said, "I want to talk about this." And I said, "Great, can't wait to watch this." And we watched it. And I think that that video um, is the reason w- us watching that video and opening that portal to hell is the reason why we're in lockdown during the <laughs> right now. Um, oh. It is um, it's such a bizarre piece of corporate filmmaking uh, and just sort of like brand management um, that is almost uh, a cursed to behold. Um, what's it? Colin Mockery's in it, and I forget the other guy's name, but they're in it as like kind of bumbling Brad um, Sherwood. security guards. Try- yeah, Brad Sherwood trying to knock, trying to get. Um, I want to say it, it's Richard Kind. Yeah. And uh, is it John Larroquette from Spin close, City? Close. Very close. Barry Bostwick. Barry Bostwick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, again, showing off the cap, the new, the, at that time, new California adventure amusement park, Michael Eisner shows up. Yes, he does. Um, it's just fucking weird. And it's like, I thought about bumping that into my honorable mentions, but I'm like, no. I can see showing this thing to like my friends who would appreciate just how fucking weird this is. Totally. And I wouldn't have known it existed if it weren't for this show. So that's why it's my number 10. Yeah, it's a great, I mean, it is actually a great pick because it's one of those things where, like you said, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, ignorance is bliss basically because (laughs) it is just, it is just strange. It's just, a, it's just strange. It is a complete non-self-aware piece of marketing that absolutely works. It is so charming, yeah. but not, I think, in the way that it was intended to be charming. Those moments with yeah. Patrick Warburton uh, as like the like park guide, where he's like, "We're not gonna have a yeah. problem here, mm-hmm. are we?" You know, like doing that whole shtick. Yeah, I mm-hmm. remember Jack showed me it prior to so i don't even think that could have appeared on my list if i wanted to because jack actually showed me that in real life uh prior to the episode and so uh that moment where patrick warburton says we're not gonna have a problem here are we one of the hardest times i've ever seen him laugh so big ups to that (laughs) thank you jack for truly bringing something singular onto the show definitely definitely all right what's your number nine okay moving right along number nine this is the most recent thing on the list this is not as far Mm -hmm. as when it came out but as far as what episode it is in relation to this one so Uh this is from episode 41 this Uh is the return of one of our i would say most sought after guests on this show yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. this is at number nine 2006 Nacho Libre. It's gotta be Nacho Libre, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. How about that? That <laughs> one just missed my list. Um, I that one was kind of a grower. Even after we recorded, I was like, it it really grew in my estimation. And you know, probably a couple weeks from now, if not sooner than that, I'll be really upset at myself for not including it on my list. But good choice. Thank you, Great Chef. choice. Got- yeah, it was actually yeah. at one point it was number ten, and Clues was number nine, and I had them flipped. Mm. And I just kept thinking about, man, dude, I had thought Nacho Libre was going to be so bad for so long. Like, it was just always in my mind, like, it was going to be a bad watch. Like, I'm going to watch it at Mm -hmm. some point. God knows how that will happen. 
But I'm like, this is not going to be an enjoyable experience. And I was dead wrong. I loved watching Nacho Libre. It was, it just, it strikes this unbelievable tone. And, you know, for any movie, I guess, I'm, you know, and it can, it, other art can have this effect as well. But I think specifically in film, TV, whatever, moving image arts, if you can create a specific enough tone that's like more than half the battle as far as like winning over an audience, I feel like. And so I think regardless of how you feel about Nacho Libre, I think you have to say this thing hits a very specific note. It hits a very specific tone. And I just happen to find it unbelievably charming, uh, very well made in its own little way. You know, this was a Nickelodeon film, I believe Paramount release. I can't be 100% certain on that, but I think... Um, it's very heightened. It's very weird. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got a really well-coordinated set design. And Jack Black is just so fun to watch. So number nine, Nacho Libre, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm as surprised as to say it maybe as you are to hear it. So there you go. I, um, honestly, I thought that was going to be higher on your list. Okay. Truthfully, I thought that was going to pop up. I thought that was going to pop up a little later. I'm, Pleased as much that it's on there, but I co-sign everything you said. I it's such a it's a charming movie. Um, it's a movie that has uh, its currency is in charm. Um, and for a movie where Jack Black plays a Mexican priest made in two thousand six or a Mexican brother or whatever made in two thousand six, it's not really cringy or anything. No, there's there's a, a tremendous respect for this just the culture. They do kind of like walk their way back into explaining why Jack Black's is in this, this convent with a bunch of, um, uh, Latinx folks. Um, but it's not malicious. It's, it's heart is a hundred percent in the right place. And it's, it's just very sweet and very charming. And again, just missed, just, just, just missed my list there. Uh, my number nine, this might be controversial. My number nine is a thousand gex. Um, okay. Yeah, I was not expecting that to be as low, honestly. Um, But for some of the albums on here, I wanted to give them another spin before I kind of like locked them into their position. And love that episode with Chef Thomas. Hearing the Gex for the first time in that in like 2019 was really exciting. Yeah, and then kind of witnessing. It's kind of like the Bader Meinhof thing, right? Started seeing them everywhere, and then Chef Thomas started to do the thousand, the thousand chefs, and like that kind of became the big brand, and like you know the meme thing, and seeing them explode it was very exciting to watch. Kind of felt like I had a little bit of a hipster bonafide. It's not that I discovered the Gex or anything, but it's like, oh well, you know, it's on the record that I'd seen the, like you know, I knew totally. about these folks. Because that was like our last episode that we recorded. I think probably the fifteenth, and then I left the seventeenth of 2019 or around that time. So it was like the last, it was our last LA episode. It was our last LA episode. Yeah. And in advance of recording this episode, I listened to it again, just to be like, to solidify its place on this list. And I was listening to it and less than 25 minutes, really good songs on it. I don't know if it's just time. I don't know if it's just because it's kind of everywhere now and the Gex are kind of a meme, but it just sort of lost that thing for me that made it special almost in a way. And I know that might be kind of selfish to be like, this thing was better when I felt like I knew about it more than other people, I guess. 
I'm just saying my relationship with this listening to totally. the second time. I think that it's an incredible album. I it's unlike really anything. You can't really categorize it. It's 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 weird, like kind of anarcho pop and um, like experimental music, kind of like that. But I was listening to it, and um, the kind of the, the stuff that hit for me hit for me. Uh, song ringtone, money machine, stupid horse. But then there's a couple other sort of tracks on that where I'm just like, not doing it for me this time. So that's why it's a little lower than I thought it was going to end up. Sure. But it's still a, you know, wouldn't have been brought... I probably would have just straight up ignored it if Chef Thomas didn't bring it on, honestly. I, it would have just been Absolutely. this cultural thing, you know, this cultural thing that I was just going to be content to sit on the sidelines of and not interact with. Um, but Chef Thomas brought it on at a pretty opportune time for, for that in the culture where I could just like sit and listen to it and be with it. And I appreciated it, and it really made me excited for what it's going to influence almost more than anything. Sure. Um, and to kind of also just not be involved with that that scene too much and that band too much, but to see the Gex explode was really exciting, honestly. And this is sort of in honor of them. Um, and I can honestly, I could see myself returning to it more often than I would California Adventure, which is why it gets the edge there. Sure. Uh, and you know, I think it's, it's still, I think our most listened to episode. Um, I think, I think at this point it probably still is. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of, uh, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't, uh, cause it was new for me for the show. I knew it was going to end up on my list. Um, and it, but it just didn't have like that, that, that certain thing that it needed to be for me for it to be just a little bit higher. No, that's totally fair. Uh, like I said, uh, this was never going to be able to be on my list because of the rules that we had had in place because I had heard it because Thomas was going off about it, really. And I think a lot of what you're saying is very interesting and true because when we were getting Marin's episode together and she was like, what episodes of the show should I listen to? You know, We were both like, just listen to anything that you think is interesting. And she literally said, you think Gex are underrated? Yeah. And we had to, and we had to tell her, dude, that was... 21 episodes from your episode that was in the later part of 2019 they were underground like legitimately yeah yeah. and like i kind of started to feel like something was up with them because i came back to chicago and i went to like a christmas party or something and i heard somebody talking about the gex just very casually and i'm like these guys are about to be really big like, yeah. this is about to be a huge thing. And then all of a sudden, like, TikTok teens love them. It's kind of a meme or something. And so it was it was really funny when we were getting um, Marin on the show and giving her about, like, the conceit or something for her to be like, th- th- what do you mean, like, these these are an un- this is an underground band? This is, like, the kind of the one of the biggest pop acts, for lack of a better, like, you know, the way that you can categorize that now uh going now um and you know just in honor of that it's been, like i said it's been really exciting to see them kind of pop off and you know that episode didn't come out until i think december 31st or something but we recorded it at the end of november so that take that haters oh yeah out of the curve there <laughs> yeah you stupid fucking idiots <laughs> <laughs> um mason have you listened to a thousand x in the tree of clues their remix album uh, I, and that's the thing is it's like, I, I haven't, I keep seeing it pop up. I keep seeing that it's good. Something's 
pulling me back from taking the plunge, and I'm saying that now, and I the thing that will probably happen once we stop recording is I'll listen to a thousand gags in the tree of clues. I think it's worth one spin. If you enjoyed what you heard on a thousand gags, it's definitely worth one spin. Gotcha. Okay. There's a couple tracks on there that I'm like, damn, these are better than what we heard uh, on a thousand gags. I but, like the Charlie XCX ringtone remix. Like, yeah, they 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 had that. I was like a single for the album yeah. before the actual album came out. Uh, my favorite track on the one thousand gags, uh, just solo project. Uh, oh, what is what? I guess what would your Mercedes valuable player, for lack of a oh, better yeah. term, be for one thousand um, gags? Yeah, I think mine would be the kind of um, break at the end of uh, seventy. Oh, what's the fucking name? Seven forty-five sticky. Seven forty-five sticky. Yeah, the kind of like um, Ross, like the not the 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 DJ or the artist Ross from Friends, but the character Ross from Friends. Yes, when he's making the bad music that kind of like hyper version of that at the end of that. Um, Cause I hear that. And what comes to mind when I hear that is when I was playing that song for my friend Max and uh, he's listening to the music, just kind of like bouncing along. And then that part happens and he just like kind of gives me this like kind of curious, almost upset look. <laughs> and he's like, come on, bro. He's just like, what the fuck is this? Um, I was listening to it again earlier, and that's just such a fun little break in the, uh, in, in the song, in the song there. Um, that's always catches me by surprise, always makes me really happy when I hear it. So that would be my Mercedes valuable player. What would be yours for the Gexby chef? Uh, it's gotta be the monologue at the beginning of Money Machine, the Hey You Little Piss Baby. It's gotta yeah, be that. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Dustin well, Tittle. That is what you, that is what you'd say to me every time right before we hit record here. Like, that's your <laughs> countdown is you call me a little piss baby and then we do three, two, one and hit record. Well, I don't even do three, two, one anymore. I just do it and you know when the timing is. Now yeah, yeah. I've done it to you so many times. Um, but Chef Dustin, uh, I showed him Money Machine because I'm like, you're going to love the like monologue at the beginning of this, more or less. And he loved the beginning of that song. I don't think he likes gex very much he's sort of ambivalent about them i think at best but even even chef dustin likes the the monologue at the beginning of money machine so that would be my mercedes valuable player am i good to move on to my number eight do it do it do it all right so my number eight it's from 2016 it is from episode 13 of the la edition this was chef claire epting's appearance on the Mm, show mm mm-hmm Number eight's got to be Sing Street, baby, from 2016. You hadn't seen Sing Street before the show. I didn't realize I that. Yeah, this was a, that wow. was a, that was my first experience yeah. with Sing Street, and it just Sing completely Street. absorbed me. Yeah, Sing Street was one of the ones that I kind of was upset that I had seen ahead of time, so I couldn't put on my list. I adore that movie. Great choice. Really, yeah. really great choice. I thought Thank you were going to say yeah. Melophobia. I was like, what's the... I don't think that's quite correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I like Melophobia, but it, I, again, I had heard it before and I don't even think it would have made my top 10 anyway. Like I like cage the elephant, you know, no disrespect, but yeah. I had never seen sing street before. And this was a great opportunity to watch sing street for the first time and talk about it on the pod. You know, it was a, you know, very, I'm not going to say that was a chill episode, but it had a very nice like energy to it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. fun, you know, to talk about Melophobia and sing street, but it's interesting that there are sometimes this this weird thing happens in, I guess, media, for lack of a better term, where sometimes a song by a band that doesn't actually exist is amazing. Do you know what I mean? 
Like, uh, okay. Like, give me some examples. Like, what's what, where's your head at right now with this? I don't remember even the name of the band because it was a uh, because they were a one hit wonder. But there's a song called "How Do You Talk to an Angel." Do you know that uh-huh. song? How do mm. you talk to an angel? And it was like a band that exists within a show but isn't a real band. But they oh, made the song. Okay. For the episode of TV or the TV movie or whatever. Kind of like that thing you do by the Wonders. Kind of like that. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, uh, that's what's happening here because Drive It Like You Stole It is an amazing fucking song. Oh my god, that song is so fucking good. And it doesn't need to go as hard as it does. And there's other good songs from the soundtrack, but Drive It Like You Stole It is my de facto Mercedes Valuable Player easily. that would be Street. mine too. That would definitely be mine too. Um, perfect, kind of perfect music movie, kind of perfect teen getting out of his shitty small town movie. Absolutely. Um, again, I was sitting in the shower. Uh, the shower is my favorite time to think about uh, my favorite songs. And I was sitting in the shower and a song that popped into my head while I was sitting in the shower was the song Mary's Prayer by uh it was written by gary clark i believe and gary clark wrote most of the songs for sing street and i was just saying like Drew, if I say, save me and thinking about how i can't put sing street on my goddamn list and yeah. how upset that made me but yeah i mean just that kind of i think that that is about to be sort of in a hot rod position where it's this like cult classic that you know, you show to your parents or something, or you show to somebody, or I really want it for that. Um, or like just, younger cousins or something. Yeah. A, ooh, a big younger cousin movie. Definitely. Um, I think a lot about the Jack Rylance. Uh, I believe that the actor's name, Jack Rylance. I was a fucking jet engine. Um, You're talking about Jack Raynor? Jack Raynor, thank you. Jack, I yeah, got yeah. to mix up with Mark Rylance, the... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> the Bridge of Spies, motherfucker. Uh, the, the big friendly giant himself, Mark Rylance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting, though, because, like, Jack Raynor, you know, I'm thinking my the entire time when I'm watching this, how the fuck do I know this guy? Why does this guy look so familiar? It's because he's the, he's the bad, male lead in Midsummer. He's you the know? bad boyfriend in Midsummer. Mm-hmm. And I hate that movie. Yeah, not and a Noe movie. Not quite your tempo. <laughs> no, not quite my tempo there. And I just am like, damn, he's so fucking good in this. All the kids are so good. The fact that they're like hopping around, paying homage in a very loving way to these 80s classics, Duran Duran, New Order, you know, whatever. Yeah. All these English bands. It's so nice. It's a great coming of age story. Very straightforward story, you know, about teenage love. The ending has sort of grown on me, I think. The ending, mm-hmm. I think, is maybe one of the more, like, disputable parts of the movie as far as, like, come on, bro, like, give me a break type stuff, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. But it's grown on me. I really like the way that movie ends because it's it's very much, like, emotionally the thing that I think needs to happen. So yeah. that's my number eight is uh, 26, or 2016's Sing Street. It's, you know, it's great. It is great. My number eight is uh, a little sort of pivot from that. It's from our episode. It's on the list goes to Rio. It's not Gal Costa, though. It's that man from Rio. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Nice. And this was another one that was sort of similar to California Adventure. Would not have been on my radar at all had Chris Chalaki not brought it on. And going in blind, I was so... Um, it's just It's just entertaining. It's just a fun, entertaining movie. 
And uh, I hadn't seen Jean-Paul Belmondo in a movie that wasn't directed by, like, um, Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah, like a Godard movie or something. So it was nice to see his, like, kind of uh, a little flexibility with his star persona. I think it's a fun travelogue movie. I just watched um, Black Orpheus uh, the for the first time very recently. Um, and watching Black Orpheus, I was like, this movie's really fucking good. Glad I'm watching it. And now all I want to do is rewatch that man from Rio. It's oh my a, goodness! Yeah, that fun like kind of um, like a kind of Bond parody. It works well as a comedy and as a spy movie, which I think is pretty a difficult needle to thread. Like as a fun, sure. the action's really good. The comedy's really funny. Uh, if I had to give a retroactive Mercedes valuable player, I forget what the exact bit is, but there's a a uh, sort of visual gag and cut that I love. Where Jean Paul Belmondo's with the lady in that movie, I forget her name. Didn't do my research. Uh, uh, <laughs> what, what what else is new? <laughs> but um, uh, where he says like you know we need you know like what you know what do you mean like we need like a a, a pink car with like red green flowers or something and it cuts and they're driving a pink car with green flowers or green car with pink flowers or something and that's just a fun I love a cut like that it's so fun it's so funny. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, that kind of gets a little more points for me and is, it has that position on the list just because I had such a, it was such a treat to watch it and just would not have been on my radar at all had, um, Chris not brought it on the show. Sure. Uh, I think that it's very well stated on the show, uh, on that episode, not as hot on that man from Rio as you and Chris are. Uh, I liked Gal Costa, Gal Costa, you know, however you say Gal Costa more than that Mm -hmm. man from Rio. When we talked about those pairings uh, on that episode, when we went to Rio, literally, (laughs) when we literally went to Rio. We did. Yeah, yeah, we did. In the middle of the pandemic, we got on uh, Air Rio, drank some pina coladas on the beach there. We Uh, all we all flew first class. It was awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like we hadn't had the Patreon set up. We had we found (laughs) somehow. Yeah, all those $1 future patrons really helped us get those first-class tickets to Rio. Uh, I'm not as hot on the movie. I'm not just as into spy shit, I think, maybe as you Mm -hmm. are. So it just really, you know, didn't, like, hit me in that way. I don't dislike the movie in any way, shape, or form, but I just don't have a ton to say about it. I think if I did have to give uh, a de facto Mercedes Valuable Player, I think it's actually got to be a co Mercedes de facto or de facto Mercedes viable player first pick has to just be the city of Rio yeah uh, the mm. way that the city is actually depicted all the different nooks and crannies the highs the lows the in-betweens everything in that city it just really shows off the beauty and the uh rugged beauty shall we say uh of that city and then my other de facto Mercedes valuable player is that sequence where he's in the construction site. That is a very thrilling sequence to watch. Unbelievable little choreography, blocking direction, camera movement. Just the way that that scene is blocked and set up is a great little piece of filmmaking, a little mini masterpiece sequence in like the later third of the movie. So I don't have a lot to say about it to be totally honest with you, but those would be my de facto Mercedes valuable players. Does that mean it's my number seven now, chef? Go for it. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Number seven on Noah's list. This is from episode 34. Okay. Uh, if you know, you know, because uh, that was the Beach Boys episode, Mason. Oh, 
<laughs> what? About that. What? And so, uh, number seven, Pacific Ocean Blue by Dennis Wilson from 1977. Yeah, that makes me really happy, too. Okay, very cool. This, this one was definitely, it was just kind of a trip to listen to because up until his passing, this was the only piece of individual Dennis Wilson music that we had. It had been repackaged Mm -hmm. with caribou, which would have been his second release. Um, but it was released posthumously. And so on Spotify, you can listen to the double album of Pacific ocean blue and caribou. We only covered Pacific ocean blue on the show, but it was just kind of telling to me that although Dennis was not the forefront guy, in the beach boys it definitely was brian yeah Mm -hmm. he had such an important stamp and fingerprint on that band because i think to a certain extent i know that in the movie love and mercy they really make it out to be good vibrations is like a complete brian wilson thing you know yeah Mm -hmm. but i really truly believe that if it wasn't for dennis's sensibilities we wouldn't have good vibrations as we know it we wouldn't have the song Feel Flows, which is featured in Almost Famous, yeah. sounding the mm-hmm. way it does. He just had this yeah. very interesting, I'm going to use the term psychedelic. I don't know if that's correct, but that's sort of the feeling I think that's that I fair. get. No, I think that's totally fair. I think that's a fair thing. And it is like once Brian kind of leaves the band and the sort of late to early to mid 70s Beach Boys output does become a little more psychedelic and it does start to feel more like kind of dennis's band and that's kind of the more almost the more interesting period of that music for me sure and i think that's what i'm picking up on when i think about pacific ocean blue um i don't really have like one song that stands out to me and i think that's because all of them even though they do sonically have variation like you know yeah holy man instrumental doesn't sound like mexico doesn't sound like river song you know whatever but they all sort of have this underlying psychedelic quality to them. This like very like dreamy dream gazy. I don't know if you know if that's the right word to use, but like a very like ethereal sound to them, which Mm -hmm. really captivated my ears and my brain. Um, I just think it's, you know, it's also just sad to think that we didn't really get more music from him individually. It's crazy to think that he's basically responsible for bringing the Manson family into Hollywood, uh, more or less. Just a crazy guy. Oh, Dan. Oh, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh, that's my number seven, Pacific Ocean Blue, 1977 by Dennis Wilson. I, I, man, that makes me really happy. I would say that if I had to give Mercedes a valuable player, this is a movie, an album, rather, that's very dear to me. It would have to be for the Holy Man instrumental. I I, I love that song so much. Um, it's it's uh, it is a source of great comfort for me. That'd be my Mercedes Valuable Player. That's all I want to say in advance Perfect. of my number seven, which is from um, the Return of Nina Kramer episode. And you will know that Birth was in my honorable mention. So that means that my number seven has to be the Remy Wolf Allergic to Dogs EP. Are we doing the film spotting thing like we talked about where? If it's oh, double, where does this show <laughs> up on your list? We are going to okay. do that. So before okay. the show, Noah and I had just kind of been like, are we just going to go through point by point, point by point? And I brought up this thing that they do on film spotting, which is if there's a shared thing on a top 10 list, talk about it as it comes up. And now it looks like it's the time that we're going to talk about the Remy Wolf EP. So where is this one on your list? So this one, believe it or not, number four number on my four. list. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay, so I like that. It, that makes sense. Yeah, it falls at number four for me. Uh, this is, again, it totally came out of nowhere. I don't know who Red, Rem, I didn't know who Remy Wolf was prior to this. I still don't think there's a lot of people out there, you know, in the in total who know who Remy Wolf is. And it was just kind of like the Robert Palmo album in the sense that it's insanely succinct. It's not a full length release. It's an EP. Yeah. But what's so impressive to me about this project i'm allergic to dogs from this year 2020 yeah mm-hmm. is that all the songs feel unified and singular in yeah. their own little special way and i'll very quickly just go through each song because i just very distinctly and succinctly said what i thought about each of them down the line which is the first track i think sounds like caro caro benito's like cousin or something basically uh-huh. uh woo which is the second track could have been like a mariah carey song that got left off one of her like like height of her popularity albums. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next track, Hello, 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 sounds like a tropical version of MIA, which is really fun. That's an artist you don't really think about a lot Yeah, she she sampled our technical difficulties music from the Rio episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she really did. What the fuck? Come on, Remy. (laughs) Uh, My favorite track on the album, Photo ID, is basically the dance club banger that we can't have right now because of COVID Um, and disco man, which is probably my least favorite track on the album, but I still enjoy it. Just kind of sounds like bizarro world radio Disney. If radio Disney back in when we were listening to it, sort of like, like put out different kinds of stuff and the like flavor was a little bit different. It kind of sounds like that. That's what that would be. So that's, that's my take. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, similar to you, this was not a thing that was going to come into my radar at all. Um, and also similar to you, re-listening to it, just, the, and this is going to come up later with, uh, an album that's higher on my list. Um, right off the bat, you know who Remy Wolf is as a, as an artist and as a musician, and all I want to do is hang out in the world that she's creating, basically. Totally. And the world that she's creating are these, like, bright, um... Uh, dance it's, it's just it's it's put it on and you fucking move that's the thing for me it's there's not a song on here that you just can't boogie down to and doesn't totally. make you feel better uh and 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 make oh every single song this album you listen to it it makes you feel better i like what you said about how it's they're of a piece and they're unique um they definitely sound like the same mind heart Person, soul yeah. is creating these sounds but there's like Disco Man sounds so different from Photo ID. Sounds so different from Hello Hello Hello. Sounds so different from um, uh, 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 Woo it, Woo. Thank you. I don't know why that why that well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, <laughs> damn. I, I'm really. I, 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 anyways, I'm so excited to see what Remy Wolf does next, and that's basically the number the main reason why she's number seven here. Why this EP is number seven. Uh, I think we had like just started doing Mercedes Valuable Player at that point. So, uh, yeah, I think that, I think Mercedes valuable player came into effect. I think, was it, was it chef's Ian episode, chef Ian's episode where we discovered 
the Mercedes Valuable Player, or was it the next episode where we fully implemented it? We implemented it the next episode, I think, because okay. we gave the first Mercedes Valuable Player to, of course, Mercedes Ruel as Connie from Married to the Mom. Yes, of course. The and the first ever inaugural recipient of the Mercedes Valuable exactly, Player. Exactly, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would have been Marin's episode that we started uh, giving out that little segment, doing that segment. Yeah. Um, it's my number four. Uh, I just continue to listen to it after the show. Like, I literally was like, this is something I will listen to. I listen to mostly uh, photo ID and down the line uh, when I'm working out. But I'll just sometimes throw on all five of these songs, you know, and just be like, okay, I'm walking or I'm lifting, you know, whatever right now. uh, Or I'm doing like a home workout or whatever. Let's let's throw on Remy Wolf. Let's throw yes. on this little EP. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's that's why that's why it got you know within the top five is because I'm just listening to this a lot. You know, yeah. this is something mm-hmm. that's sort of become an earworm for me more or less. So gotcha. Mason's number seven. Yeah, my number four. Yeah, Remy Wolf. I'm allergic to dogs. EP from 2020. Gotcha. So what's your number six then? Um, my number six. Okay. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. For a second, I had to reorient myself. Um. <laughs> This is from episode 22. Okay. This is from, I think it was, it was interesting because episode, I think episodes 16 through, I want to say 20 or 21 were still while I was in LA and we were just figuring out the virtual recording thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of was like, after we had sort of gotten a hang of the virtual recording thing, I had just gone back to Portland when I thought that stay at home was going to be four to six weeks basically. And then I would go back Mm -hmm. to LA and this whole thing would more or less be over. But as we know, little did we know (laughs) (laughs) it's not. So that's where we're at with that. But this is from episode 22. This was a band that I had known about. Never one that I had listened to all the way through one that I think I was more familiar with than I even realized. Mm -hmm. This is our friend Rocky's only appearance on my list. Oh, okay. So this is the Mollusk by Ween from 1997. Yeah. How about that? Okay. That, yeah. yeah. That's not on my list. That's, that's <laughs> How about that? I, <laughs> I, I was like, damn. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that album just fine. I respect it. I respect that choice. Just didn't kind of stick with me much after the recording. Um, sure. I think it, It's Gonna Be All Right was a big song for me during that time of year. Um, especially when the pandemic was starting and I was kind of like, okay, things are going to have to be put on pause for a little bit. I'll just listen to it's all right, baby. It's going to be all right. Uh, but that's really kind of where I'm at with that album there. So go off King. Talk about the mollusk. Yeah. Thank you, chef. Um, I recently saw someone on Twitter say something to the effect of how can you not like ween? They're basically the wiggles for adults. And I thought that that was a very interesting uh, sort of comparison because I, mean, I think es- <laughs> <laughs> especially on this album, they start out with a show and dance number on I'm dancing in the show tonight. And it you feel like you're sitting in the goofy goober bar, you know, with SpongeBob and it's just silly and fun, but there's like actual weight behind it. You know, there's actual like feeling of like these guys are going out on a limb attempting to do something different, attempting to be creative in a way that's very unique. Uh, And I just totally bought it. Uh, I think that, again, there are very, 
varied sonically songs that appear and pop up all the way mm-hmm. through this album. You know, you have songs like the Blarney Stone, which is an Irish drinking song. Yeah. And then you have songs like Ocean Man, which, you know, are like these fun little like sea jaunts, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have things like uh, Everything's Gonna Be All Right which feels like a 90s radio hit by a band that you can't remember the name of. Like, it's just like yeah. one of those, you yeah, know? Yeah, well, I like that. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got a bunch of varied little sonically musical things here. And just like Remy Wolf, it all feels unified under one creative vision. It yeah. all feels like, man, these are all coming from the same two guys, Ween, you know, who make yeah. up Ween. Um, I had weirdly heard the Pink Eye on My Leg song because my buddy Kyle, shout out to Kyle Blake, uh, had played that song for me before, and he described it as the most blah feeling song of all time. Like you're just kind of hanging out on your porch on a summer day, not really doing too much of anything. You're just kind of like, man, I just am gonna go with where the wind takes me, I guess, on this day, more or less. Um, and then you have other tracks, you know, like Dancing in the Show, which is the first song, which feels very constructed, very deliberate, very purposeful. And yet you're still dancing along and singing along and, you know, wagging your finger in the air, even though it is more or less like a song that's like kind of juvenile and kind of more or less for kids. And so I was just very impressed with this album all the way through. I love when people take risks in this way. Uh, I love when things feel vintage on purpose, you know, and very purposefully that way. And so this just was kind of right up my alley. My de facto Mercedes Valuable Player has got to be the Blarney Stone because mm-hmm. just like basically like the middle of the album, you feel like you're in the middle of a fucking Irish bar, you know, yeah. just having this grand old time with everyone sitting around and just having fun. And it just kind of, ha- you know, I just have fun when I listen to that. It makes me nostalgic, weirdly enough, you know, it makes me feel wanting of a time that we are definitely not living in right now of just being able to yeah. go out with friends and have fun. And so that's for me, my, Mercedes viable player, my de facto one for the mollusk. Do you have a de facto Mercedes viable player for yeah, this album? I would say that mine would probably be uh Ween's committing commitment to the bit. Okay. Uh, I you just gotta respect the fact that they're like, we're gonna make a a C themed album. We're gonna just be called Ween. We're gonna be Dean Ween. We're gonna be Gene Ween. They're just two. They're two goofy guys that love to commit to their. They're just silly little bits and make very earnest music about it. Um, again, not quite my tempo. Couldn't quite. Couldn't quite hack it. Very fair. Totally fine. Um, but there will be a Rocky choice showing up in just a little bit here. Oh, uh, okay. A little bit of preview. A little bit of preview. We're on six, right? Yeah, you go for your number six. Yeah. Okay. Chef. So my number six is something that was on your um on your honorable mentions, and that is Passing Strange. There we go. Uh, yeah, I I think I don't want to assume too much. Um, I th- for somebody that does, would not call themselves a theater kid or someone that likes musicals, I think that I have just a general tolerance for musical theater more than someone that's just not interested in it at all. Sure. Um, I kind of have like my three or four that I just listen to a lot: Company, Pippin, sometimes Godspell. And when Ryan brought this on, I kind of didn't know what to expect. I knew that it meant a lot to him, but I didn't 
what I love about theater and what I love about shared communal experience, and when he brought this on in June, it was something that I was really craving was being in an audience with someone and, or with sure. people and experiencing performance, basically, experiencing art with people. And there's kind of an undeniable energy in the capturing of that show of the the the, P, the Spike Lee directed PBS um, version of this that that we watched and covered basically, where it it's it, it's it's um, a show about um, coming to terms with your life, coming to terms with your identity, um, coming to terms with your path and your journey and realizing that it's not going to be whatever journey you're on is not going to be easy and you're going to make a lot of really difficult. There's going to be a lot of things that come up that are going to be difficult for you to deal with, but through art, you can reenact it and not make it right, but help you see that event, get some context on it. And in the case of this, if this musical, I think the kind of magic trick and the thing that really solidifies that, that musical for me is it helps somebody live forever and not Stu, um, not the, the, the main character, the narrator. I'm talking about the, the thing for me, my sort of retroactive Mercedes valuable player would be the mom character in passing strange the sort of the 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 heart of that um of that musical and i think back on that when i was crafting this list and i was like that moved me almost more than anything else that was brought onto the show the experience of watching it i it was so electric it really felt like i was in the audience watching this last performance watch these people put something onto film forever basically to say like just go all out fuck it this is it this is it now and and be with them and experience that um was kind of in uh uh it, it was it was so um meaningful and so powerful it had to have a place on this list the only reason why it's not higher is because i haven't really returned to it a lot um sure. i could probably at some point but just how visceral that experience of it, that, that first experience was, it, it just had to be on my list. Uh, it had to be on my end of the year list here. Oh, I mean, listen, I think that had I rewatched this in prep for this episode, there's a chance it would have made my list because mm -hmm. it was just so much to take in at once. That That's true. I don't uh -huh. think that I can fully say like, this is one of my 10 favorite things that I've covered so far just because I need another crack at it. I just need sure, another uh -huh. chance to sit with it and really see what's going on. Because like we talked about on the episode with Ryan, there's kind of three layers going on here. There's yeah. the actual music. It's bas it's a rock show. You know, one of the things that it is, it's a rock show. Uh, it's a narrative Broadway performance. And it's also a recording done by spike lee so there's yeah. like three mm -hmm. layers of art going on and it's just so much to take in at once that it is overwhelming and it is a lot to consider and there are moments that have stayed with me but it's one of those for me where i don't 
necessarily remember specific things that happen. I just sort of remember the general feeling that it gave me. And I don't think that's a good, bad, or indifferent thing. I just think that's kind of the way that this one operates. And so for me, I'm going to give my de facto Mercedes Valuable player to Stu. I think he sort of is the like puppet master of the whole thing. This is really sort of his his orchestration, you know, for lack of a better term. And so he's my Mercedes Valuable player. I think that he's the one crafting the the experience most directly for us and because of him we're seeing what we're seeing so that's my take on passing strange had i worry watched it for this possibly could have cracked the top 10 it's very good still go check it out <laughs> so all right that's so where we're at with that all right so what's your number five here then number five we already talked about i'm allergic to dogs okay but I had to do it to him, Chef. At number five, I had to put birth on there as well. What? <laughs> oh, I know. Wow. Okay. Yeah, oh, I had to fucking do wow. it to him, baby. So not only so in if you're you're, if you're making wanting me so mad that I didn't list. that I you make me so mad that I put Jack Freiberger above this fucking movie because it was the <laughs> only movie I watched twice for this podcast. Only movie I know I twice for this podcast. And, I uh, thought for sure it would show up on your list, but uh, so if you're listening and trying to visualize this list, at six we had the mollusk, at five we have birth, two thousand four, directed by Jonathan Glazer, and then at number four, which we've already covered, will be I'm allergic to dogs twenty twenty. Gotcha. So back to back Nina Kramer entries uh on this list at four at five and four, respectively. Okay. Birth being at number five. This movie, if you can if you can buy the premise of this film. Hold on to your fucking hat, ladies, gentlemen, folks, everybody listening to this podcast, everyone who may one day listen to this podcast. If you cannot buy the concept, the premise of this film, don't bother. Turn it off. You're not probably going to enjoy it very much. But I have to believe that if you're watching the movie, most people are going to be able to buy it because it is so well done. I, it is unbelievably well done for such a yeah. ridiculous, ludicrous concept of a deceased husband coming back as a 10-year-old boy. They, and it is yeah. just unreal John- to watch Nicole Kidman in this and how Jonathan Glazer constructs this movie. And, and, and We gave it special shouts out on the show, but also just the fucking... Banger, uh, the banger soundtrack by Alexandra Desplat. Just absolutely an incredible soundtrack that I put on when I'm going on walks, especially now that it's going to be like kind of fall and and winter in Chicago soon. Going to be walking around a lot of parks, need to listen to some kind of like cold music, autumnal Um, sounds. Autumnal sounds. Yeah, I mean, that's the 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 thing with this movie is it treats not just the it doesn't just treat the premise with a lot of respect. It treats the um, uh, uh, the emotions and the grief that Nicole Kidman is feeling with so much empathy, um, and so much um care and respect in this this journey. She's incredible in it. It's probably her, my favorite performance of hers that I've seen. Um, it's probably like would probably be my favorite performance. It, it's it's it's, God, it, it does make me really upset that I couldn't find room for it just because Nina showed it to us, and I was like I've. I heard this movie. It's kind of on my radar. Here, it's pretty good. Was not prepared for what it was going to put me through and for what was exactly waiting for me there. It's so fucking good. And like I said on that podcast, 
Uh, you know, we've said the premise now, basically. But if nothing else, it's the only movie on the show that I watched twice before recording just because I had to be in that world again. I just had to watch it again. And also, once you watch that movie and you know how the things happen, watching it again, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of like, I'm going to see how they tripped this up here. I'm going to see how they tripped it up. Impeccable. Almost a perfect movie, I think. I think after the fact, I ended up giving it five stars on Letterboxd. Oh, my God. It's ended up wow. in the all-timers club here. Doesn't quite make my list because uh, I'm a moron. But, God, <laughs> cannot cannot rubber stamp co-sign this, that, that fucking movie enough. I'm so happy that you found a place for it on your list. Absolutely. I knew it was going to have to make the list, basically, from that episode. Um, I am... I don't want to say I'm surprised that both of those things from that episode made uh, the list. It's the only instance of that on this whole, on my whole yeah, top 10. Yeah, my, so, yeah, I don't have anything similar to that on my list. So I'm <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Two thank you, up, Chef. Man. Okay. So the, um, should I do my, the, mm-hmm. no, I'm not done. <laughs> asshole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I think I just want to keep shouting out uh, the set design in that yes. movie is amazing yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just fantastic direction from Jonathan Glazer all the way around. Like we said, Alexander Desplat's score is haunting, unbelievable, maybe the best movie score of all time. Maybe straight up. Who can say, who can say, you know, John, I know that John Williams personally, um, drinks and drinks a nice tall glass of tea and then just kind of looks out a window and says, why didn't I write the score for birth? Why didn't I write? The why score didn't for I birth? write the score for 2004? Jonathan Glazer's movie <laughs> birth. Um, it really is one of those movies where once you see it, regardless of how you feel about it, you're pretty much not going to be able to forget it. Yeah. It's hard to forget either way. Um, just a very singular experience. Again, I think I'm, that's sort of when I am putting this list together, I'm like, what really feels singular? What really feels unique to me? What really feels like, oh man, yeah. this is such a specific experience. And that's, I think, a lot of what is on this list. But I digress. That's my number five. Uh, what is your number five, Chef? So should I do my number five and my number four? Because we know what your number four is. Yes, that's fine. Okay. Yes. So I want to do mine in order of most uh, least to most evil. So in this case, my number four to my number five. So my number four uh, okay. is my only Rocky choice. It's I Heart Huckabees. Had you not seen I Heart Huckabees? I had not seen I Heart Huckabees before the show. Oh, I thought you had, and I. That seems like a Mason movie through and through. So of course it makes your top five. And uh, my number five, and I think this is what you thought my number ten was going to be, but it's my number yep. five. <laughs> it's Sarah Abraham's "My Teenage Dream Ended, Baby." That's You're it. Such an it's asshole. on the fucking list. <laughs> and you know what? I wasn't sure if it was going to find a spot. And I was at work. I had a little kind of. Uh, I could chunk out twenty five minutes to re-listen to that album. Uh, still hits. Still great. Still um, awesome. Still. Um, nothing's wrong with it. Can't find anything wrong with that album. Nothing's absolutely wrong. Shouts out to uh, Frederick Cuevas, the producer of that. Really uh, impeccable production on that. Uh, a, a weird... Uh, a weird curio. A weird curio. And if Chef Thomas hadn't brought it on the show, would have ignored it. Similar to the Thousand Gacks, but I kind of like the songs as a whole on this album more than the songs on the A Thousand Gacks album. I'm sorry... I wish I was different. I don't wish I was different. I'm just fine with myself. That's how I feel about this. Um, it's it's like a lot of things. Like you were saying, Chef Noah, this album could only belong to Farrah Abraham. This 
uh, could only come from this person and their experience at this time. And the fact that it is so distilled like that, it is such a perfect encapsulation of like 2010s, 2011, 2012, or whatever it is, kind of makes it universal and lasting in a way. It's it's a perfect kind of early 2000s artifact. I Heart Huckabees, hadn't seen it before, was probably the biggest surprise for me on the show. I went in with kind of like, not rock bottom expectations, but with kind of like mid expectations and was really um, engrossed the entire time um, was really moved the entire time. I think that it's sort of like conclusion that, uh, as we were talking about it on that episode, um, the, the conclusion that it's not just chaos, it's not just random, and it's also not just, um, you know, uh, nihilism or something, that it's kind of in the middle and it's everything at the same time, basically. And really all you should do is just hit your buddy in the face with a big old, uh, big sure. old inflatable ball, um, just to get some sense of control over your life. Um, I don't know. I think it's a really resonant, um, uh, a really resonant message. Um, I think it's really creative, and I don't know. Just, just really, really good, really good movie for me. I, if I had to give my retroactive Mercedes valuable player to that, it would be, I think, actually, uh, Mark Wahlberg. I think Mark in that movie has a very um, sympathetic performance and a very um, almost tender performance in a way that I was not expecting to get from him. Uh, in a way that I think is kind of surprising and is kind of um, opposite his current image. Um, and I kind of don't think that that movie works as well without him. Um, sure. As strong as the rest of that cast is, and you got Naomi Watts, who is putting in the fucking work, who is incredible in that movie. Um, Jude Law is also really, really good and really, really funny. Uh, you know, Lily Tomlin's really, really good in it because she's good in everything. Jason Schwartzman's uh, I really like in that as well kind of doesn't pit, fit together if um, Wahlberg isn't so um, isn't so committed to the sort of despair of that character and um, and also so committed to like the kind of uh, friendship that's created uh, with uh, that becomes developed um, over the course of the, the latter half of that movie with the Jason Schwartzman character not a movie I had revisited but has been I've been itching to revisit since we recorded that episode with Rocky Um yeah, that's my piece on I Heart Huckabees and My Teenage Dream Ended. Uh, it's interesting that Mark Wahlberg keeps saying that if he had been on the plane for 9-11, he would have stopped it. Yeah. And I think if that version of Mark Wahlberg had been on the plane, he would have been like, let me help you fly it into yeah, the yeah. tower. <laughs> well, no, so, like, he's so upset because of 9-11, basically. They keep going, like, that September thing, remember? <laughs> uh, either way, I'm just, I don't give a fuck. So, uh, yeah, I Heart Huckabees is a very interesting movie. You are going to jive with it or you're not. Yeah. Um, I jive with it a little bit, not nearly as much as you and Mr. Rocky do. I think if I had to give a de facto Mercedes viable player to it, Wahlberg is very good. I think in a lot of ways, he probably is the glue that makes that movie stick together for all of everything that's going on. But every time I think of the movie, I think of the pairing of Lily Tomlin and Dustin Hoffman. That's the first yeah. thing that comes to mind so when good. I think of the movie. And they're just amazing together. They got great energy. You really believe that they are a couple who loves each other and a couple who works together. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever knew like parents who worked together growing up to like run a business or anything, but mm -hmm. it's a very like specific type of energy of like they kick each other's ass, but like you can tell they love each other. Yeah, you know, sure. Kind of thing. I mean, I need a and freak I, like that, man. Honestly, I need someone that's going to help <laughs> me solve some existential crimes. Honestly, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Shout out to any 
beautiful woman that ends up with Mason who kicks his ass <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, it's just a very specific kind of energy that they're bringing. So that would be my de facto Mercedes valuable player is yeah. them two sort of together in the movie. Um, if I kind of, it's not quite a co, but it is worth shouting out those sequences where he goes inside the bag. Yes. Quote unquote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are very cool. And just knowing Rocky, I can tell how big of an influence that sequencing is yeah. and the way that those things are cut together. Mm-hmm. I just can tell that it's such a big influence on him artistically. And uh, I think he really likes things that are feel like they're breaking rules in a way that like that rule was dumb to begin with basically. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it feels liberating. And I think that he just really enjoys things that feel liberating in that sense not a good, bad, or, you know, indifferent thing. I'm just, that's my observation on it. And I think I am almost inclined to agree with him in that sense. And so I think that I can see why Rocky loves the movie so much. And now knowing you for the year, basically, that we've known each other, I can see why you like that movie uh, as much as you do. I am surprised that it made that high in your list, though. I guess I didn't realize how much you actually enjoyed the movie. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it was, that was the one that I think, well... There's something else that's coming up that had a little higher kind of journey, but Huckabee's was a little lower. And then in reorganizing the list, I was like, man, I I don't want to say I would have never watched it if it weren't for the show, but it was not very high on my list of priorities. I do think I probably would have watched Birth first. I do think I would have watched Passing Strange first. Do you think I would have watched Chimes at Midnight, George Washington, Wild Tales before I got to I Heart Huckabee's just because like, okay. I was kind of lukewarm on David O. Russell. I guess I still kind of am, even though I've seen most of his movies at this point. But it, this like kind of weird, like sort of just just like blip in the in his filmography there, in between the kind of like two eras of his career so far, um, really wasn't didn't strike me as a priority. And then I was watching it, and I'm like, I can't believe this didn't come into my life earlier. This is this. I can't believe that I never seen this before. This is so my thing. And uh, that's why that's uh, fair. Abraham, my teenage dream, and it is the worst thing we've covered on this show. I'm going to move on to my number. It does. Three. It does have the one and only evil fart rate rating <laughs> so far. But I did. I turned it around, gave it a conditional recommend, like a good little boy. But yes, evil <laughs> fart is the is the like watermark that you see yeah, yeah, over yeah. that rating in the show files. It's yeah, got the evil fart watermark. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know you you peel back with like a little scraper from that conditional recommend, and you do see the evil fart. <laughs> <laughs> you know what evil evil fart in my mind? Did you ever watch Chow? growing up not really that was after my time of cartoon okay no worries i didn't really watch it a ton either i watched it a little bit because i had a friend who was into it but chowder's like pet was named kimchi and he was a fart cloud that just like followed him around which i don't know kind of a funny joke um that he's named kimchi but that's what i imagine it's like an evil version of kimchi anyway am i good to say my number three are we at that point we are so at that point i'm so ready for your number three okay number three this was a Mason pick, believe it or not. <laughs> this was a Mason. I've pick. been doing the math. You got two more of mine, uh, as you said. So let's. Th- let's this do is this. one of the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from L.A. This is from our L.A. days. It's from episode twelve. It was paired with Inherent Vice. This is Tumbleweed Connection by Elton John. Oh maybe. yeah, baby. Oh yes. <laughs> So here's here's the story uh, all about how my life got flipped turned upside down by Tumbleweed Connection. Every single fucking song on this album is good. 
It just is good. Yeah. Every single yeah. one. I mean, listen. It's hard to beat. Listen, we said it on the Chef Aya episode. The most important thing that a comedy should be is funny. And it was Bruce Springsteen's birthday a couple days ago. Uh, about a week ago, I think, as of this recording. And I was listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. And I listened to Born to Run. And I was listening to Born to Run. And I'm like, you know what? More albums should just have only good songs on them, like Born to Run does. Why don't all <laughs> albums just have only good songs on them? And I think you're right. I think Tumbleweed Connection is just an album full of nothing but good songs. Every single song is good. There's a couple ballads on there. And even the ballads hold up really well and sort of are like a nice jam to the peanut butter of the rock songs. Mm -hmm. It's a very nice like palate cleanser, I guess, and a good switcher upper. I don't have a lot more to say about it other than I liked it from the very first time I put it on. I think the songs that I end up going back to the most uh, in Tumbleweed Connection are Ballad of a Well-Known Gun, Country Comfort, Son of Your Father, (sighs) Amarina, and Burn Down the Mission. All of those are probably the ones that I go back to the most. Talking Old Soldiers is probably my favorite ballad that's a tough call to make, but yeah. probably my favorite ballad on the album. And my, I can't pick one Mercedes valuable player, my, my former or a de facto Mercedes valuable player. So I have to give a co Mercedes valuable player to son of your father and country comfort. And I thought it was going to be son of your father and burn down the mission until I re-listened to the album within the last couple days. Yeah. And I just had to give it to country comfort as well. Just a fucking amazing album through and through. It's definitely one of Elton John's most under-listened albums. Yeah, and it's so, you know, there's not a lot of his sort of um, legacy hits on that. You could maybe argue for Amarina or Country Comfort. Um, But it's, it's in a way... Really only because Amarina was featured in in Dog Dog Afternoon. Afternoon. Right, right, right. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Um, And I think because of that, his... Songcraft really shines in this more than it does in a couple of his later albums. I love um, uh, uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the album a lot. Love Hunky Chateau a lot. But there's something about um, Tumbleweed Connection where he was at a point in his career where he had put out his sort of like maybe one or two albums and he had had um, everything to prove and almost nothing to lose. And was just like, this is what I'm going to put out. These are the songs I'm going to write with Bernie Taupin. Um, I think my Mercedes, retroactive Mercedes valuable player for that would be the um, coda of Burn Down the Mission. Um, how it sure. just ends the album with just sort of, um, uh, you feel, and that song's been in my life for a decent amount of time, probably close to a decade, I think. From the very first time I heard that outro and through till today when I listened to it, you do just feel that that kind of like religious f- fervor, basically, of this 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 uh, this almost cataclysmic event of this this mission, this like central mission burning down, basically. Um, and I love it. I love that it's it made it onto your list. I love that it made an impact on you, and it's it just brings it's it makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> I'm glad, Chef. It's a great album. Uh, I revisit it relatively often. Thank you for bringing it onto the show. It's amazing how good Tumbleweed Connection and Evil or Inherent Vice can exist within the same episode. What is your number three? So, as I said, I got uh, eight picks here. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 picks here. Eight of them are um, guest choices. 
And two of them are Noe choices. And here Aww. is my first Noe choice. Yes, Chef. Made it. Cracked the top three on both. Way maybe. back from the L.A. days. It's Buffalo 66. Yes, 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 yes. I thought maybe it could have been number one. I thought I could have been number one with that, Chef. I think you're going to be really happy with what my number one's going to be. But we'll get there. Okay, we'll get good. There. Um, Buffalo 66 and Vincent Gallo had been on my radar for a long time. Never thought to sit down and watch it. Because I think that I was living in a period where his public persona was a little pricklier. Um, wasn't interested in engaging with his art. And Buffalo 66 is a very difficult movie about a very, a character that is very difficult to love from the top. Um, absolutely. But the kind of, and throughout he does some pretty horrific things. He's, um, but it keeps making the case for his humanity and for his, for how much he, like, for, 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 it keeps making the case for his humanity, keeps making the case for you to empathize with him, and keeps making the case for compassion towards this person and for him to have love, this very essential thing that everybody needs. And it's easy to look at someone like that who's, you know, I called him on the show a malignant narcissist. I'm, you know, not a psychologist. I would not diagnosing him, but that's just your kind of read on it. That someone like that does deserve compassion and patience and love and understanding. And it makes a very compelling case. It's also just shot in such a... It's shot in a way where you you kind of feel like you're watching a photograph fade and disappear in front of your eyes. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to say. Um, and Especially with the photo strip with little the photo thing strip. that happens. Yeah, I think that it's a very deliberate artistic choice, and I'm really happy for it, that he included that in there. Uh, you have some weird little like artistic things like that Ben Gazzara section. So wonderful. Um, the Chloe, the, uh, I was going to say Chloe. Christina 70, Ricci. Christina Ricci, like kind of dance at the bowling alley, just these small moments of grace in this like kind of dour town. Um, and it almost wasn't on my list. And then I kicked off chimes at midnight and I put Buffalo 66 on there. And I'm like, this has to be in at least the top three. This has to be in the top three. I haven't watched it since I'm not want to just because it is kind of a yeah. rough watch. Yeah, I was just about to say, probably a good thing you haven't watched it within the last year. It definitely, you need a little bit of separation between watches, for sure. Yeah, and I know that when I come back to it, whenever I do come back to it, it's probably going to hit as hard as it did the first time, if not harder. Um, And just, uh, yeah, that's that's my piece on it. I think if I had to give a retroactive Mercedes valuable player to it, it would be the Christina Ricci dance, like that kind of little spotlight part of it in the bowling alley, just because it, like kind of took my breath away when I was watching it and even does kind of take my breath away now when thinking about it. Um, but yeah, beautiful movie. Really happy that we covered it on the show. And I think that was a really, really good episode. Was that episode eight? Do I have that right? Well, episode 11. Episode 11. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad this movie made your list. Like I said, I thought there was a chance for it to be number one. Uh, it's one of my four favorite movies that's on my little letterbox page, you know, yeah. right now yeah. has mm-hmm. been for a minute uh, when I first watched this movie, I think I said it on that episode when Rocky came on to talk about it as well. Uh, absolutely fucking ruined my day. <laughs> Just yeah, like uh-huh. such a tough watch. You don't really know what you're getting into. I thought it was going to be like a fun indie comedy, uh, which at times it kind of is, yeah. but not, not really. It's kind of, you know, dark and demented and a little bit brutal. 
it's a very special movie. It's very singular. You know, uh, I don't want to harp on it, you know, too much or keep talking about it too much because I just think it's better observed than discussed almost. Yeah. I will say, I think I've seen the movie twice. Once was my initial watch of it, the summer between my sophomore and junior year of college. And then my second watch was for the show about a year ago or so. And it's one of the only movies where I feel like I could absolutely see every single scene happen in sequential order in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is just one of those that just leaves such a fucking searing imprint that it's almost impossible not to remember it yeah. for what it is. And it's kind of the reason why you don't want to watch it, you know, bound back to back nights or without too much time separating it. So yeah. my, as much as he's kind of a shithead, my de facto Mercedes valuable player has to be Vincent Gallo. He is the, he is the engine that chugs along every project that he is responsible for good, bad and indifferent. You know, uh, I have yet to de- endeavor into the Brown bunny, Packed away in storage, I actually do own a DVD copy Ooh, of The Brown okay. Bunny, mm-hmm. so eventually I will get around to it. It's kind of always one of those that I feel like every time I'm about to grab it, it gets hotter and hotter, and I feel like I have to throw it and you know, like <laughs> bang it up against the wall, and I'm like, Duh, demons be gone with it, basically, but it's great. It's just a great movie. We have to move on. We do have to move on. Uh, we're going moving on to number twos now, yeah, right? Yeah, m- number two. What's your number two? All righty. My number two... This is the highest movie on my list. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is also the earliest episode on the list. Okay. This is an LA edition episode. Mm-hmm. This is episode eight. He's only been on once. I'd like to get him back on the show. Uh-huh. Jack Campisi brought on Hedwig and the Angry Inch, baby. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Number uh-huh. two for me. And so this was one that also sort of just like, bubbled and burbled you know in the back of my mind uh it got it got much stronger and much more resonant in my mind as time passed i found myself going back to the soundtrack quite a bit uh and i think ultimately within these last couple days of putting this list together i pretty much realized i think why i resonate so hard with this movie and why i think it's this high on the list it's because it's essentially about a movie it's a movie about making peace with your past. Yeah. I think at its core, that's Mm -hmm. basically what it's about. And who doesn't love a movie about making peace with your past, baby? You know, it does it in a very specific way. It does it in a very unique, singular way. But at its core, that's what it's about. It's about the relationship between Hedwig and Tommy Gnosis, really, when it comes down to Mm -hmm. it, and Hedwig's relationship with themselves. And I just think it's a very beautiful meditation on, you know, the, I hate using this term, but the soul, you know, yeah, what does it sure. mean to uh-huh. be whole? So uh, if I had to give a de facto Mercedes valuable player, uh, it's got to be John Cameron Mitchell, much like Vincent Gallo. He is sort of the engine that chugs along these projects. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of other John Cameron Mitchell stuff, but I have to imagine this is probably his best piece. You know, it feels sort of that way. Uh, some of my favorite songs from the show are probably my favorite is, the on the album, it's the Hedwig version of Wicked Little Town, and in the movie, it's the Tommy Gnosis version mm. of Wicked okay. Little Town. Mm-hmm. Um, Wig in a Box is great. The Long Grift is great. Tear Me Down is great. Sugar Daddy is great. I think actually Sugar Daddy is better in the Broadway recording than it is in the movie. I think that's one of the few where it's actually more fun to listen to the Broadway recording than it is the original movie recording. But nonetheless, 
the scene between him and Tommy Gnosis where they're facing off and Hedwig is sort of in that vague, you know, ethereal space up until the end where you just feel this like calmness rush over him. It's fantastic. I've been thinking about this movie ever since Jack brought it on, been listening to the album semi-regularly, definitely cuts from the album semi-regularly as well. So that's my number two. It's my highest movie that's made the list. Yeah. Hedwig and the Angry Inch from 2001, David. I respect that. I mean, I just, I liked the movie when we watched it. It just did not hit for me the way that it hit for you. Um, that being said, though, I, I think I'd give my de facto Mercedes valuable player to John Cameron Mitchell as well, just because I think that um, uh, uh, for basically everything that you've, say, you've said, my favorite song, the one that sticks out to me the most um, over almost a year after we recorded that episode would probably be The Origin of Love. I think that I sure. highlighted that one the most uh, or really like that one when we... It's in a beautiful discussion. Like, moment in the movie as well because yeah. the animation that's used as well in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't really been wanting to revisit that one um, and I can't really figure out why. Um, but yeah, no, I, I respect that. I think that's... I think that's great and that makes that makes a lot of sense i love your read on it that it's about making peace with your past um and i i I really yeah that's all i gotta say about it honestly that's fine that's all i gotta say about it that's all i gotta say about it. what's your number two chef my number two this is my i think this is the most no one i've talked about this off mic i have no sense of the order of these things just because we recorded an episode out of order and it fucked up my sort of read on this i think this is the most recent um this is probably the most recent thing on my list um and i have it on here and i almost didn't want to make it this high but re-listening to this album today i had no choice wow it's i love my mom by indigo d'souza Wow. I that high. That's crazy. I love that album. We recorded that episode with Kelly Cripe. I listened to it, my markers at two, two and a half times listening to it then. It was really hot on it. And just this thing happened where um that doesn't usually happen with these the, the new albums that are brought on, unless it's like a Remy Wolf or something, where I just wanted to keep re-listening to this fucking album and from the top all the way through and listen to every single song and i'm listening to it and i'm just kind of like when we started the show this is almost like the thing that i wanted to find almost like this is kind of the perfect encapsulate it's not my number one because i think my number one is i have my justification for my number one but like this is the thing for me almost like damn it's it's and I was listening to it today and it got better and it gets better the more I listen to it. And it coheres for me more as a whole now than when I initially listened to it a couple times. And I, I shared it with folks. I was like really eager to share this album in particular, really eager to share a lot of the songs on here in particular, just in a way that I hadn't been with a lot of other stuff that we was brought onto the show and I just kind of came to the conclusion that just, I love this album. And putting it anywhere besides in the top two, and my number one is, was, I'll talk about my number one in a minute, but putting it anywhere outside of the top five felt really inappropriate. And when I was reorganizing my list, it kept just going up and up and up. And just, I listened to Gex to kind of figure out where I was going to put Gex on my list. And then I put on I Love My Mom. And I was listening to I Love My Mom, and I'm like, no, like, this is... 
this is it. Like, this is what I want. <laughs> this is, this is. Damn. It's just top to bottom, just this thing that I feel full heartedly that I just adore. Um, and I have nothing else really to say on it. I know you weren't as hot on it as Kelly and I were, which is not an uncommon thing on this show. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, man. I, it just, it gets me right, bet- right in the spot of my chest, kind of behind my heart where, um, uh, kind of behind my heart where I think the soul is almost like right in this very like st- sort of stable thing where it just feels like when you feel like something is speaking to you personally, that's where that is. And it got me there. And that's really just why that's as high on my list as it is. Um, so listen, man, that's fair. You know, uh, I, I respect it. I don't have a lot to say about the album that we didn't say, uh, on the actual show itself, except for the fact that I'm actually very surprised that it is this high on the list. I figured it would be somewhere, but I'm surprised to know that it's, you know, in your top two, your top three, top five, you know, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm glad that you liked it as much as you did. That's pretty much all I have to say about I, it. Yeah, I mean, like, it was just, we recorded that episode, and usually, like, I we record the episodes, I listen to the album a couple times, and I just kind of throw them aside, but I would just, like, we recorded the episode, we put the episode out, and I would just go on walks and listen to Ghost and kind of just, like, thump along and sing along with the kind of, like, chorus at the end, like, you know, if you ghost on me again, these sits will ghost on you forever, and just, like, kind of want to, like, just internally just thrash about to the kind of, like, mosh section at the end. It's just... I love it so much. And the last two tracks I said um, on that episode couldn't quite crack it. This most recent time, they worked for me. I love this whole thing from first note to final note. I can't wait to see what Indigo D'Souza does next. I'm eagerly waiting whatever that will be. Um, Fucking incredible. That's it. That's what what my number two is. Okay, so now... Well, folks, we've made it to the number one slots on both Mason and I's lists. Okay. I will be cracking open the number one slot first. Okay. The number one thing that we've talked about on this show within the parameters of the rules that we've set, we've set apart. This is a Mason pick. Believe it or not, folks, this, this is a Mason pick. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> right four times a fucking day. You yeah, I guess okay. so. Um, this is an album. This right? is from this is an album. Okay. This is an album. Okay. This was from episode thirty-two. Okay. It came across my life pretty much in the exact moment that I think I needed it. I'm actually. I'll give my preamble and then I'll actually tell you okay. what it's about. Okay. Okay. Like I said, it came across my life pretty much in the perfect time that it could have. Uh, this was back in I want to say June. I think this was back in June that we were covering this. Okay. I was basically had already made the decision that I was going to move away from LA uh, for the time being due to COVID-19, which kind of broke my heart in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to be there. It's kind of the place that I've, even if I didn't know for sure I would end up in LA, I thought, well, I have to live there if you, if I want to make things, you know, you know, as a kid. Um, And so I was like pretty heartbroken that, that was the best decision for me and continues to be the best decision for me for altruistic and holistic reasons. And as I was gearing up to go and move out all my things, I was very sad. And I thought, man, it's going to be really sad when I'm there moving out. And it really wasn't as sad as I thought it was going to be. And I think that this thing helped me with those feelings and it helped me 
with those, just this general frustration with this year, I want to say. Okay, uh-huh. I, Mason, do you have any idea what this I is? I don't know what it is, and I don't want to look it up. I want you to tell me. I want to be surprised. So so, so what is this? What was the, what's this album that was so meaningful for you, right, during... My number one favorite thing that I had not heard or seen all of prior to this show is 2008's Dear Science by TV on the Radio. <laughs> Mason just gave me the little grin, the little smirk. He's happy. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I had heard two tracks okay. from this in high school. DLZ is the most famous track because it was featured in an episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout Me Out was kind of like pre me actually having Spotify, it was like a recommended track or whatever, whatever service I was using or what, if it came up on YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I knew those tracks and those tracks kind of went reinvigorated, reinvigorated back in my bloodstream, back into my heart, back into my mind when I was listening to this album, but it's the other stuff that I didn't know about that. I wish I had known about sooner specifically halfway home, which is the first track Golden Age, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Family Tree, all, Dancing Shoes, mm-hmm. all of it. I will say the end of the out. Al- there's a weird end to this album that Spotify has. Just ignore yeah, that part. No good. <laughs> um, but those songs that I didn't know about prior really just kind of blew my mind. Specifically, Halfway Home, uh, just really kind of just really kind of helped me out. I guess for lack of a better term, and a very tumultuous time of having to make a very tough decision, a decision that, and I will be, I will just be, you know, very straightforward and very open about it. Um, I sometimes feel like I should have just toughed it out. Cause I feel a little bit like a pussy being here sometimes yeah, uh-huh. at home. And I think that ultimately I did make the right decision. I think that uh, it's all about safety first right now for me. I'm not really interested in dealing with Los Angeles right now in the way that it currently is. And, uh, as much as it pains me not to be there, especially since things are starting to, you know, gear back up and starting to shoot, I just know I just have to, you know, stick to my guns and what I think is best. And right now, I, what I think is best is the thing I still thought was best. And this album sort of signifies that for me of having to make that tough decision. So that's why it's my number one. I I really like that, and I I like that that album was meaningful for you during that time. Um, because that. We talked about it on the show. It's a big album for me. Um, it has been a big album for me for a bulk of my life. And before we covered it on the show, I was listening to that album a lot when I was coming to peace with my decision to leave L.A. Um, in November. Uh, in particular, Halfway Home and uh, I think Golden Age were really big for me at that time. Those are two songs that I just associate with the kind of um excitement of a transition with the apprehension and the insecurity of that you're making the right decision and you know i'll I'll be honest man like i've been back in la uh i'm sorry i've been back in chicago for the better part of the year on november 17th is when i took off from lax and landed back in chicago that was the longest flight out of that fucking city i ever had and it was Kind of appropriate almost because it like really closed the book on that particular chapter of my life. And I feel like I've said it on this show. I feel like I've said it to you in, in our sort of just personal conversations and stuff. But that's also been a difficult thing for me to grapple with that decision, even with COVID. 
um, it was a, I made my peace with it at the time, but in the, in the sort of year or so since it's like, what would it have been like if I stuck around? Would I have sure. gotten another more stable job or something and moved out of that place with Luke? And I could have just, we could have found a place together. Something else could have come up. How would my life be different? And at some point, you've made your bed. You gotta lay in it, and you gotta, fit, you know, you 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 look around at your life, and you're like, this is the decision that I've made. It's maybe not the best choice, but it's the choice that I I I've decided, and this is what I've landed on, and this is just the reality, basically, and. I think that there's a part of Dear Science that's about that. There's a sort of like... It was made in 2008 at this time where it felt like um, we could have stopped like a kind of existential crisis, an existential reckoning from happening. And it's just sort of like shouting at the void, like, listen to us. This is what we're saying. Something good could be coming if we just listen. Um, and we're kind of living in the aftermath of that now in a, in a very scary and insecure um, time. And I love, I really do love that this album is so associated with, with that period as, as rough and as, as, as strange as it was been. Um, I don't know. I, it's, I'm pleased. I, I'm so fucking happy. That's, that's, that's really meaningful yeah. kind of in a way that that's your number one. Honestly, I really, that's, that's really it makes me so happy and proud, I guess is all I'm trying to I'm say. Glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I, I will just reiterate uh, for anyone who might be listening to this who thinks, oh, does that mean Noah's not coming back to L.A.? That's not what that means. Sure, I will sure, be sure. coming back to L.A. Again, I don't know when. Uh, my one number one priority right now is being as safe as I can from COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I will be back. Uh, I don't know when. But in that moment where I realized I had to make a pretty tough decision, a decision that I th- didn't necessarily think, oh, this is what I want to be doing, but I think this is the best decision that I have that I can make right now. It really did help me come to terms with that decision. With that decision, yeah. and uh, I have been listening to this album very regularly, um, and specifically those tracks that I mentioned. And so, thank you for bringing it on the show. I'm actually surprised to a certain extent that I didn't bring on a TV on the radio album uh, by myself or on my, you know, on my own accord either this one or nine types of light. I did listen to their most recent release in 2014 after we recorded the episode, mm-hmm. uh, of this seeds, right? and it was seeds. What was the movie that we paired with? Dear that Science? would have been you a you pick. Uh, fuck. I can't remember. Does, does anybody here? I, I will, I will look it up and speak at the same time, but it was just one of those things, uh, that just really stuck with me. And I listened to seeds and I loved it. Uh, and I just was like, damn, I love TV on the radio. They're a great band. The movie was You Were Never Really That's Here, which is right. Okay. Oh, you know what? Now that you mention it, in the Hot Rod episode, I didn't bring this up, but I wanted to, uh, and I totally forgot. I also have a, uh, before we get to my number one, uh, and anyways, I guess we should do an, a retroactive uh, Mercedes Valuable Player with that, but before we get sure. to my number one, um, I think my most embarrassing having to pee during a movie experience was during You Were Never Really Here. I don't remember if I said this on Damn. the show or not, but I had to pee so bad because I went to see that with friend of the show, Sonny Dion Jr. and uh, uh, Ken's, his, um, and 
we had gone to the bar at the Arclight ahead of time and drank a lot. And I had to pee nice. for most of that movie. And I decided that I couldn't sit anymore at the point when he finds his mom and then brings her to the river. <laughs> oh, dude, that's so sucks. I'm like, here's all this water. <laughs> it's my time to get the fuck out of here and just empty my fucking bladder and then run back. So I think like I missed him putting together um, how the, the Senator or the governor or whatever was factored into the thing with the whatever. Um, but yeah, but that's crazy. So what would your retroactive Mercedes valuable player for dear science be? I guess it's gotta be halfway home. Uh, yeah. The, rest of the album is nothing but good songs. It, it, I mean, Stork and Owl, we can, you know, I can honestly take, take more than leave, but take or leave. Basically. I like it in its sort of place there, but halfway home is so fucking good. Kind of a perfect song. It's amazing. It is, and it starts off the album. It kind of sets the tone for everything that you're about to hear. Uh, TV on the radio is a very eclectic-sounding group. Uh, as far as I know, they have been releasing stuff pre-Death Grips, so I wonder if Death Grips was a fan uh, of TV on the radio. Who's to say? But a very special band, a very interesting band, a very uh, risk-taking band, which I always like. I love when people are willing to take risks. I think the willingness to fail is one of the most attractive things about art yeah. and the most attractive yeah. things about there's a, there's artists some, in any sphere. There's some pretty big swings in this album, I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. Dancing Shoes is a huge swing, but it works. Yeah. Golden Age is a big swing. I mean, every, I mean, DLZ is a big swing. The lyrics don't make Family any fucking tree. sense, and yet it's amazing. Yeah, Family Tree's a fucking huge swing, and they really hit that one out of the park. Yeah. But I guess it's got to be Halfway Home, man. I really, I really think it's got to be Halfway Home. What about you? Halfway Home is tempting. Uh, now that I said it, I think mine is family tree um it's a beautiful song about a horrific thing uh said with kind of no irony or no wink uh and i just um i don't know that's it that's 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 it for me sure all right well mason i think that's all we have to say about uh dear science we're we're, we're at the point where you have to tell us your number one we're at the point where you have to tell me no, where i have to tell me number one so here's how i crafted craft just just did the work to get this top 10 list created. Uh, I get very overwhelmed by projects. Something I talk about in therapy. And my therapist is like, these were her exact words. You fucking moron, just make the thing small. <laughs> Those weren't her exact <laughs> words. She's very, uh, she's, she's, my, my therapist is great. Anyways, it was getting to the point where I couldn't put off putting this list together for a long time. So what I did, uh, for any more rather. So what I did, I made a little Google sheet of just every episode, the album we covered, the movie we covered. And then if I had seen it before, or not, and then kind of crafted a little list. So at least I had a list of 20-something things. And I was like, okay, this is not as um, awful as it was. I had it listed in more or less chronological order. No numbers in front of anything yet, just kind of looking at the kind of scope of it and just, like, picking, like, what I knew I wanted to talk about and include. Sure. And so this movie was... Um, Towards the top of that list chronologically, and as I was going through, I was like, I like how that looks up there. Let's see how that looks up there. Let's just keep that. Moving around, doing stuff, this and the other thing, making the rest of the album underneath it. And this number one didn't move, and I'm like, I'm going to notice that. I'm going to notice why this hasn't moved at all from the top of my list. And... It was a, a, a movie that I could find the time to rewatch, and so I did, and I was like... Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is good. And then I could find the time to rewatch it again, and so I did. 
And the reason why I could find the time to rewatch it is because it's a very short film. Uh, it's yeah. five minutes long. <laughs> and it's yearbook by Bernardo Brito. <laughs> I somehow knew this would be on your list. I had no idea it would be number one. Surprised me too. Honestly, I <laughs> rewatching it again. It's, it's episode six, which has also been like kind of rocketing up in the charts in terms of our most listened to episodes. I don't know yeah. why. And I'm not complaining. I think it's a great episode. I think we talk about three pretty cool things, including yearbook by Bernardo Brito. Um, but um, I rewatched it a couple days ago just to be like, is this really something I'm comfortable with having as my number one? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And then I rewatched it again before this recording being like, are you sure this is something you want as your number one? I said, yes, absolutely. Um, I think this movie kind of encapsulates... If if I Love My Mom is what I want to find in the show, I think Yearbook by Bernardo Brito is what I want the mission of the show to be. Kind of this thing that it's like... The general plot of it is this guy is tasked with compiling all of human history into a hard drive before aliens destroy the world basically has 17 years to do it and then even after that point they only have 36 months on a space station before it crashes and burns so basically he's creating the whole of human history for whatever purpose for these next 36 months basically for these people on there and it's it's in in five minutes it does a very elegant job of filling in his family life filling in his personality, filling in, like, his kind of attitude towards history, um, all in the face of, like, kind of catastrophe and all in the face of, like, certain doom. It's like, what do you think to save um, when this is your job? And the, and the, the, the conclusion that the movie comes to is you can't save everything, you can't even be sure that your impact in your life is going to mean anything at the end. So really what matters is your wife's catfish. Yeah. It's this small thing. It's not even anything that you're doing. It's this, this, this routine and this, um, this, this expression, this sort of like, you know, the wife's catfish is sort of like her sort of artistic outlet almost. Like she keeps making the catfish through these 17 years trying to perfect it. And it's not until he releases control over um, the, the burden of his job, the burden of history, and realizes that there's no way that he can save everything. It's kind of pointless to do it. And he just eats the catfish and he's like, wait, like this is the thing. This is beautiful. Like, this, this small thing, this small human, this creation, this thing that somebody put a lot of time and effort into, this is what's worth saving, even if it's going to ultimately be moot at some point. And I, I want this show to be just, like, finding the catfish, almost. That's why I love my mom as number two. It's not my number one. Because that's, like, kind of a catfish, I think. I think that... That wow. album is a catfish to me, where it's like, I can, I, I, in, in, in some respect, everything on our list that we've covered, on my list, on your list, those are all catfish, basically. I, except for, I think, California Adventure, which is a weird fucking curio, and exists <laughs> for, like, you know, sort of nefarious purposes, and it shouldn't be seen by anybody ever, um, lest we open the second portal to hell. Um, yes. But, you, 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 
sometimes some folks can't make a catfish <laughs> some folks yeah. are just here to appreciate the catfish and to say to the person making the catfish you know um this is the best damn catfish i've ever tasted in my life and it was also like it would also seem kind of inappropriate if I didn't have a Noah's pick as number one, just like personally. <laughs> so it could have been <laughs> Buffalo 66. I feel like I could have swatched it, but like ultimately at the end of the day, I am most happy to have yearbook in my life as kind of this thing that I can return to. If I have these sort of like moments of crisis, almost of being like, what am I doing? What's going on? Doesn't matter. Yearbook's kind of like, no, but it's okay. Cause you're still here. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's beautiful. My Mercedes valuable player for that would just be the movie yearbook would be the five minutes of yearbook. I, there you go. I can't single anything out from it. It's, it's a whole fucking package to me. And, uh, I'm just so grateful that you, uh, brought it into my life that we sat down and watched it and then hit record on that fucking episode. We watched it together. I think I literally was like, Hey, did you watch this? It's the only movie that we've watched together. Honestly, yeah, dude, I think that's true, actually. Wow. Yeah. Well, once COVID, once, once COVID gets a little bit more stabilized, we got we to gotta amend that. We gotta yeah, go yeah. See, we got to go see Dump Truck the movie or something. <laughs> the Lois Griffin together. story. <laughs> oh, hell yes. Um, I'm glad that that movie exists in this episode, and I'm glad that that movie exists, period. And I'm glad that it had that big of an impact on you. Uh, it's a pretty astounding little short. It's five minutes. It's animated. The animation style is amazing. Uh, you can literally just find it it's online just on for YouTube. free. It's amazing. Uh, my Mercedes Valuable Player, if I had to pick something, is this passage, which is the very end of the film. I had it as my cover photo, actually, on Facebook for a period of time. That's a, such a Noah Aren't thing. You... That's such a Noah thing. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you going to be late for work, she says? The ship is leaving at noon, but she has no idea. She doesn't even know about the missile. And I can't bear to tell her. And I can't bear to leave her. Yes, I say. I'm going to be late. It's fine. Nobody will miss me. And I take a bite out of her breakfast catfish. And it tastes like the most delicious thing I've ever had. That gave me chills reading that. That's what? crazy. That gave me fucking you... chills. That's my Mercedes Valuable Player. The catfish, baby. It's all for the catfish. Um, it's all about the catfish. We're looking for catfish on this show. We're, we're big catfish we hunters. Are big That's catfish we are big catfish hunters, yeah. Man, that's the that's the show, man. Yeah, we did, we did it. it. This is a longer episode than I th- I anticipated, but you know what? I'm I'm happy that we set apart this time. I'm happy that we uh, did this, and I am happy that uh, to see you, Noah, more than once in a week. Basically, <laughs> we put out the the yeah, Layman episode today, and I was just kind of like, no, I want to get this top ten kind of tackled as soon as possible, and uh, fuck it, we, we did, did. It. a year of it's on and, the list. Uh, I know a year of it's on the list. Thank you guys. If you've been with us this whole time, if you've just are finding out about this show for the first time because of this episode or somewhere in between, I mean, it's crazy to think that there are people who listen to this show every single week. That is very, that's just, I mean, that's about the nicest thing you can do for people who are making art for free. Yeah. So thank no, you. T- seriously. I, I feel like we do kind of neg the audience sometimes, but I just want to say like, sincerely, the fact that we have a, an audience and people that will message me that they listen to the show just does uh, shouts out to Patrick Laguno, Patrick Camille Laguno. Um, he messages me frequently that he listens to the show, but just like stuff we've talked about and 
that means so much to me. I, I got my friends listening to it. I got some of my family listening to it. And just basically anybody that wants to spend at this point more than two hours with us, <laughs> with us two yeah. assholes, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's more than I, it's all I could have ever wanted and, and, and dreamt of, honestly. It's, it's so, it, it's so uh, incredible. And truly thank you. We hope to continue the hot streak here into season three after a short break, after a short intermission. Yes. But we'll be back soon, I promise. Yes, we don't know the exact time that we will be coming back, but after a year of, like we said, we hadn't we didn't release an episode every single week, but damn near close. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, damn near close. We're going to take a little bit of time off. This will be coming out on October 7th, 2020. You might not hear from us until the beginning of November. You might hear from us slightly before that. That is TBD, but either way, we're going to take a short hiatus. We're going to take a breath. Season three is going to come back. It's going to be a little bit different, but barely. Um, if you want to find the show, I've, I've done the work. I finally created a link tree. <laughs> yeah, amen. So I don't know. If we, so, you know, won't be cluttering up the show notes anymore. Do we need to kind of go piece by piece of where the folks can find us or just say, look at the fucking link tree if you're interested in, in the show there? Um, yeah. yeah, I you know, I'd say that uh, basically... At the end of the day, I'm on Instagram at Hot Dog Debicki. I'm on Letterbox. I'm on my podcast, The Barn, a podcast about the Shield. We are in the home stretch of the Shield, so sooner or later, um, with by the end of the year, I feel you will be able to just sit down from the top and listen to my podcast origins and follow along with the Shield there, if that's a thing that interests you. Uh, Noah, do you have anything you want to plug before I go into my extremely deranged song parody here? Yeah, I want to get to the song parody, so I'll make it brief. Um, just want to emphasize again, you know, it's fun to nag the audience. It's fun to say you guys are fucking idiots. Some of you probably are. <laughs> but nonetheless, it means the world to me. It means the world to us that people are actually listening to this. You put things out there uh, before you are, quote unquote, a professional artist. I consider what this is art. Yeah, you know, we too. are talking. Mm-hmm. We're talking about art, uh, you know. And it, you think, man, is anybody actually fucking paying attention to this at all? I have that thought cross my mind on the daily, if not on the weekly. And there is hard data to suggest that there are people who there are listening are, to this show. There are numbers to suggest that people do. And a not, uh, a not un- unsubstantial number of people listen to this show. A lot of people also listen to The Barn, which also makes me... <laughs> which also yeah. uh, is very surprising that there's a... a dedicated group of people that hear what i have to say on a weekly basis uh luckily that no weirdos have popped up in my dms yet but well only we can only we can only hope, hope. Uh, only weirdos up. and uh cute girls are allowed in my dms uh, <laughs> amen. amen i fall under both yes, categories definitely. uh you can also you know i also want to thank anyone who listens to my solo pod which is a somewhat of a newer venture but i also have the time of my life doing that as well especially right now you know i think being you know, trapped in the house, at least for me still, uh, podcasting sort of feels like this is the thing I want to be doing right now, not writing. I want to be interacting with people. I want to be talking with people. I want to be connecting with people, especially because uh, it's not really something that we're getting to do in this current day. And so if you listen to any podcasts that I'm a part of, thank you. Uh, and you can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, if you've never heard it before. It's on all the podcasting Uh-oh. platforms. I don't know which episode is going to be out 
Uh, I have a little bit of a weird scheduling thing happen where I actually double booked myself, and so I'm actually recording two episodes this week, and so I don't know which one will be out before the other one. So, surprise, could be one, could be the other. Who's to say? Thank you guys so much for a great year. Mason, wrap us out. It seems today that all you see is a lot of stuff not freaking sweet. Where were you watching Family Guy? Megan, Brian, Chris, and Stu. Peter, Lois, Griffin, too. Where were you watching Family Guy? Someday you will find me sitting on the sofa in a Quahog Supernova in the sky. Someday you will find me watching the chicken fight in a Quahog Supernova, a Quahog Supernova in the sky. Wake up the baby asking why A talking dog will never die Wipe those tears of laughter from your eyes Cleveland Joe, Mayor Adam West Quagmire Mort, and you know the rest Of those funny folks on Family Guy Someday you will find me Laughing my damn ass off In a cohort supernova in the sky Someday you will find me Saying if you think that's bad In a cohort supernova A cohort supernova Cause people will think that the show is just the same as The Simpsons. But you and I, like Family Guy, American Dad is good, and I can't lie. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's today that all you see is violence and sex and movies on TV. Luckily there is a family guy. There's a family guy. There's a family guy. There's a family guy. There's a family guy. And that was the most arranged song parody we'll ever do on this show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you all next time if you're still listening. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye.